0: Welcome to the Seahawks Podcast, your Seattle Seahawks podcast by 12s for 12s
1: with your host Adam Emmert. Now's not the time to be putting on 12 to 15 pounds and having to take it
0: back off. Just a joke. I promise you one thing. You're getting out of work, son. And Brandon Schultz. You don't need to put the word A in front of those players' names. You can just say their name. Go Hawks.
2: Shake on game day twelve man. You ain't feeling any vital. The seahawks coming to take division titles. We are Coach Cow because he's in. We are
0: in. This is the Seahawkers Podcast. I am Brandon Schultz, and across the table from me, my good buddy Adam Emmert. Happy post-draft day. Happy post-draft. We have returned safely from the round-trip drive yeah. to Seattle and back, and we're, we're back here in our, our traditional uh, Seahawkers podcast studio. That's right. Adam's that, that, kitchen.
1: That was uh, <laughs> my kitchen, but uh, that was fun, man. That was a really fun trip. It was what a great. What an experience trip. overall.
0: Oh, just. I appreciate you. Along the way. That stops happen. along the way. Uh, people that we got to see. Yeah. You know, kicked. And, and we can get into it a little bit more later. We can talk about it now. But, uh. I think
1: let's recap our trip at the end of, uh, talking draft. And let's all do that. that. Yeah. Let's do
0: that. So we'll yeah. get into that. And, uh, and yeah, we'll, we have a lot of draft news to talk about with now that we actually got to watch the draft over this past weekend.
1: Well, what's exciting to me is. We we go in and we're doing draft prep and all that, and you and I are sitting here trying to talk about possibilities for the draft and, and all those things. But let's be honest, that's not our strong suit. No. That's not what we do best.
0: But Which I think, is why I'm really thankful for all the guys that we had come on leading up to the draft and and give some insight because that is what they do.
1: Exactly. So we were very fortunate in that regard. But what I like now is that there's actual guys that we can look at and we say, okay, this is definitely a guy mm-hmm. that's coming in. Let's take a look at him. And maybe try to extrapolate, look at some of the things they've done in the past, and and you can really kind of dive into them and look at look at how they play and and try to project now going into camp. But you actually have some solid things to you, look You've at.
0: now narrowed it down to actual players that are going to be on the Seahawks or have the potential to make the team. Whereas exactly. before, it was a much larger pool of, of players. Just a lot of
1: speculation. <laughs> so, yeah, it's really great. And I, so I spent a little time last night... I. Flat out couldn't sleep. Mm-hmm. So I, I spent a little bit of time going through and watching the tape, YouTube highlights, and uh, and, it, and even a couple of full games just to get a sense of some of these prospects. So uh, Excellent. it's going to be exciting.
0: We'll get into that. Uh, one of our Better at Life honorees uh, from episode 69 is now a member of the Seahawks. So we can talk about that some more. Does and that
1: now make him better-er better at life?
0: Betterest.
1: Betterest. Uh, I don't You're know. just going to go right to the top.
0: <laughs> I'm fine with that. All right. I, I think if anybody could make that argument, uh, he would be one of those guys. I wouldn't try to fight him over it. No, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not a, a fight worth waging. Uh, nope. Uh, and so, yeah, we'll talk about the Seahawks Draft Day event that we attended. We'll talk about our visit with Dick Allen Slim on Friday last week, which I posted over the weekend. So hopefully you got a chance to enjoy that. That
1: was a bit uh, of a dream come true for me. I'm not it was lie. cool. That was really fun. It was cool.
0: And, uh, oh, uh, I should, uh, we didn't get a chance to reference the fact that, uh, Leah Lindsay, FM DJ Chicks, yes. uh, 12th woman up in Kalispell, Montana, uh, voice. Making us
1: sound like we're professional and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. A big shout out to her. Thank you very much, Leah.
0: Yeah. I definitely appreciate her yeah. taking some time and, uh. And her yeah. being a
1: Hawks fan on top
0: of it is just, you that, know, well, that's a bonus. It's like I, the gravy. That, it's almost kind of a requirement, but, uh.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, voice talents are, they're technically actors. So, right. I mean.
0: And I, I did theater with Lynn, uh with Leah.
1: Oh, is that um, how up, you have that connection? Well, well I didn't, and we I...
0: worked at competing radio stations about the
1: right. the same time too. Right? So. Did you guys ever have like an anchor man fight in the alley?
0: Oh, uh, if if. If there would have been that kind of anchorman type fight, what uh, would have been your weapon of choice? She would have had the spear, I think, and I would have been the one. You can go off the board, too. Like you uh, can
1: pick a a different weapon entirely than what they use.
0: Oh, I get to choose my own weapon or what weapon based on my radio personality or or stature in the radio community. Oh, that might be more sense. uh, Maybe like a Bic lighter.
1: Okay, because I was thinking blowtorch. Yeah, <laughs> like, I think that would be that'd be a lot well, of
0: fun. Uh, that would that would be so I could have the maybe a can of hairspray handy. Right. And uh, and, and then I would have my flamethrower. I like it. Mm-hmm.
1: I like it. Yeah. I mean, if you haven't done that when you were a kid, I mean, come on. like y- You just
0: haven't lived. You as haven't a lived.
1: Just make sure you you hop off the trigger of that WD-40 can before that flame gets all the way
0: to the nozzle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you sound like you're speaking from experience.
1: I'm just I'm not I'm not saying I'm just saying. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, what do you say we get into some so, uh, into these draft picks, Adam? And mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately, um, I, I think we have to start off with more of a serious conversation, just because that is where the Seahawks. Well, let's get it out of. The- with, yeah, yeah, indeed. Let, let's get it out of the way. Yeah. And it, it goes back, and we had this discussion on the way to Spokane. We talked about it on the show uh, in studio with Dick Allen, Slim, uh, about that idea of. It seems like the Seahawks, they'll go with uh, their first pick is always something that is a, a, maybe a little bit of a disappointment, and then we end up spending uh, the next month or two trying to rationalize it. And to me, the the selection of Frank Clark, the, the edge rusher out of Michigan, uh, kind of falls into that category.
1: It does. And I guess as we talk about Frank Clark, I want to make kind of two evaluations of him. And one is just him the person a little bit, not that I know details or anything of that nature, but just we only your, know what we've only what your initial heard, impression yeah, and, the- and kind of how those things make you feel. And then secondly, try to take and put that aside and then let's look at his skill set mm-hmm. and let's talk about him as a football player on the field. Because I think those are the... I mean, obviously he's one full person, but when we, we go to evaluate this pick, let's kind of two-prong it a little bit. Right.
0: Because I, I think... Well, because one of them is a value judgment, I think that no matter uh, what our opinions are about anything that he's done off the field, I, I think different people are going to have different reactions, and they're going to have their own type of evaluation on him as a person that they're going to have to do themselves, because there isn't enough information out there, to me, to be able to say, uh, yes, this guy is this type of guy, and and this type of personality, and... So that's why I, I think you have to separate it out that way, just as far as evaluating...
1: Him as a as a prospect as a, right. and, and as a member of your football team. Now, one thing that I found interesting about this whole thing is it's not just one incident. There's a couple of incidents in his past, and they're not the same type of stuff. So when we say the incident, let, let's just put it out there. Yeah. He's accused of, of, of hitting his girlfriend, mm-hmm. basically, in a hotel room. Right. And more or less that's the most we know about it short of there's apparently a police report that's out there where the officer states that he saw visible marks on her neck Mm -hmm. and uh like a a welt on her face face. and and things of that nature now um the kind of the way i wanted to start with with this conversation is there's a trust level that we have to have with john and and pete and it's a lot like a bank account in the way that i think about this where you know this if you have this bank account full of trust and P. Carroll and John Schneider have made a lot of deposits into that bank account over the years, and right now they're taking a massive withdrawal. Now I think we're still in the black, mm-hmm. but they're using their equity right now on this pick because it's it's difficult to get behind.
0: I'm I'm kind of glad you brought that up because for me, thinking about this situation. It, we say all the time, or, or, or Seahawks fans say all the time, and, and Pete and John, we trust, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's kind of been that mantra that's, that they've built based on the, some of those selections where we were scratching our heads back when guys like Bruce Irvin were selected, you know, back when Russell Wilson, made, you know, people looked at that and kind of scratched their head a little bit. And, you know, taking flyers on guys that at the time didn't seem to make as much sense. And then they worked out to be really good decisions. So that level of trust, like you said, that's that's built them into the black. And this, to me, seems like one of the... I, I'm trying to think of a, a, a situation uh, apart from this one where that trust was really tested.
1: It's a good point. I think maybe closest to this point might be Bruce Irvin. Really. Yeah. I mean, when you look at... Because he's the closest in the in the sense of a character risk mm-hmm. with one of your higher draft choices because we, we know Bruce had a bit of a checkered past. Right. Now, the more we learned about Bruce over time, and he had a rough goal as a kid, and mm-hmm. I can understand where he fell into some of the places that he ended up being. Now, kind of getting back to
0: Frank Clark. Frank Clark. And you, you brought up two incidents, and one being the domestic violence incident, mm-hmm. which was, he pled down to a... Um, Disorderly disorderly conduct, conduct yeah. which is essentially kind of a catch-all for fighting and uh, Dis- disturbing
1: the peace, sort of thing. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly.
0: Yeah. And uh, and then the other one was uh, laptop theft, was a felony, because it was a MacBook Air. I- I'm guessing because of the cost of it, that raises it up to a felony level. Correct.
1: Yeah. yeah absolutely. So it's one thing if he has one of these things or another. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you put both those together, that's when you start looking at a guy and be like, you have difficulties making the correct decision.
0: And I think it's important to note, though, the time difference between those two incidents because uh, you talk about guys with rough upbringing. That was one of the things in the press conference following the second day of the draft that Pete Carroll brought up was that this, uh, this young man, as a kid, had a really rough go of it. And, and this incident, the theft incident was at the beginning of his college career. So now here he was, you know, outside of the structure of, of maybe high school and, and yeah. never really had the, the strong, uh, you know, family upbringing. Um, and, and here he was at college and, and this was an incident that started there and uh, that he was able to overcome that throughout his college career. And uh, he was well thought at, at the beginning of his senior season, he was the captain, um, of, of one of their big games at Michigan true
1: now as far as the laptop situation in mm. in stealing i have a friend who at the time you know he, he moved out of the house he was about 19 20 years old and a couple of him and his buddies were out and about drinking beer you know being dumb and the buddies decide that they're gonna bust into this house because it was it was somebody they sort of kind of knew or something and uh, they stole a few things, they had a few firearms and things like that, and they didn't do anything with it. It's not like they went and and took it to the pawn shop or tried to make money. It was just they were kind of just doing tomfoolery and ended up hiding it in some bushes. And it gets found. It turns out this dude was a cop on top of all of it. Okay, they all get busted, and this buddy of mine gets nailed for a felony for for theft. Now, this friend of mine, he's a good kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a good kid. I, I've I've I had known him from the age of about you know fourteen. On oh, he's, he's he's generally a good kid. Now he got wrapped up in something that that's not great, and it's something that he was on parole for for a few years, and it was a stain on his record. Now it eventually was expunged because he went through all of the things he needed to go through. So I kind of equate that with the Frank Clark thing a little bit. I would be more apt to forgive him on that level and just mm-hmm. be like, okay, I can I can understand I can understand that, you know. Now it's when you get into the domestic violence issue of it. It's clear that Pete Carroll and John Schneider think that he did not strike her. Mm -hmm. But to me, obviously, he did something physical to her. I mean, that's...
0: There was was a physical altercation.
1: Right. And you hear a lot of people saying, well, you know, it sounds like she was the aggressor and blah, blah, blah. Now, I want to... I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to get into some details here, but so we don't know. This well, is a, well, no, I, I, there's, a, even get into there's something I want to talk about okay. here because I, I think this is really important. I, this is a very personal medium, so people know a lot about us. Uh, I'm going to share just a little bit of something that I went through in life. Uh, I'm not going to get into details of it, but just so people understand how I come down on this. And uh, for those of you know, I, I, I have an ex-wife. Um, you mentioned that. I've I mentioned that. Uh, she... There were times through our marriage where she was violent. Um and I mean she she nearly stabbed me with scissors. <laughs> like, I mean it it was it was bad. And uh people are saying, well, if if this girl is attacking him, you know, he has the right to defend himself. Thing is, this was multiple events in my life. Mm-hmm. And I can say one thing with certainty, I never once raised her hand to her, and I never once Even subdued her physically in a manner to where it would be so forceful that it would leave physical bruises or anything along those lines at all. And, you know, people, and I can understand the idea that, well, if she's attacking, then you should be able to defend yourself. Because honestly, I think a lot of people look at domestic violence and they think it only goes one direction.
0: And a lot like that's a good point to make.
1: A lot like cheating. Like Everybody says, oh, dudes are the, always the ones that are cheating. Well, when the research comes out, it's 50-50. Those dudes have to be sleeping with somebody. I think a lot of it comes down with domestic violence on the same level. Because it's not like I'm calling the cops as a man and being like, my
0: wife's beating me up. And if you were, I, I think... The, the, they I mean, would not have
1: taken me seriously.
0: Well... I, I, I know that for a, a fact.
1: But so with, but with the Frank Clark situation, and the, why, why I bring this up in, in trying to be honest, is there were certainly times... I was a young man then, too. When people say, "Well, you know, he's just a kid and he's having a hard time making good decisions. I was 22 years old. I was just a kid, too. But I was able to to know, even when my chili was running as hot as it possibly could, that that was just a line you cannot cross. Mm -hmm. And even if he didn't strike her, the idea that he may have roughed her up in any way, even if she was attacking him, it's unacceptable. And I feel like the only way that I can say that is because I've lived through it and I know the choices I made in those situations. You are just the bigger, more physical force. Mm-hmm. And with that power comes responsibility. And you just you just can't do it. And so I'm extremely disappointed that Pete Carroll and John Schneider decided to draft this guy because of that. Now I understand people deserve second chances. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that I'm comfortable with this second chance for this individual, and he may be a nice person. I I don't know, and he may have just made a mistake. I don't know, but my initial reaction when you hear the story and you understand, you know, some of the basics of it, I'm extremely, extremely uncomfortable, and I'm disappointed.
0: Yeah, and I'm I'm I I will also say that I'm disappointed. I'm uncomfortable saying it because I the amount of information and it goes back to that that trust factor uh Pete and John spent way way more time evaluating this type of prospect than you or I did looking at by the media reports uh, reading you know whatever was in the the uh, articles that were based off of the police reports uh, but just the idea of and there's a couple things that there's a football side of it goes into me there's a personal side that goes into it too and I was disappointed, too, by the fact that their press conference afterward did not—it didn't help me feel any better about that At disappointment. All. And I think there were things that they could have said differently if they really, truly uh, believed what they—they they could have addressed it in a different light or a different—given a little bit more information, I felt like I didn't get— really any more information out of that press conference following it than I had going into it. And I thought the Seattle media did a really good job, those that were there, I agree. To, to ask really hard questions. And I, I do want to play some of these for folks, because um, I, I think they're important questions to be asked. And then I think it's also important to um to maybe hold John Schneider accountable for some of his responses that he gave i think that's fair during that uh that press conference so um one of the first questions that was asked is is what do you say uh to those people that have read the police report and are really kind of shocked about this incident and this is what john said i totally understand that i have four older sisters um and um uh, i would say that there's Always, you know, two sides to a story and you have to go through the whole thing. You can't just go with, um, one police report. You have to talk to everybody that's involved. Everybody.
1: That quote right there, that might have been the one that I had the largest problem with because he says you had to talk to everybody.
0: And I have the follow up questions and, and his responses here.
1: John, no, I going did. back to the where there's more than just one side of the story, more to than
0: just the police report. Did you talk to your alleged victim? Me specifically? No, I did not. Did yeah. organization? Uh no. Nobody in our organization did specifically, but you can you can get to those things. So he said everyone and then emphasized everyone and then you give you get that response and then he was asked about it again.
2: I'm just curious if there's two sides of the story. Why did no one talk to the
0: victim?
2: I think that's the other
0: side of the story. Uh, she was interviewed by specific people.
1: But the, were the Seahawks among the specific people?
0: Uh, we, we interviewed, um, the counselors that were involved with the two of them. Yes. He,
1: and that's a gigantic problem for me. But basically, what John Schneider is saying is he was doing lazy journalism instead of getting to the source. And maybe she wasn't cooperative. I don't know. But if he said we didn't even talk to the victim, that means they didn't even attempt to. Like, he makes it sound like they didn't even attempt to. We're just going to talk to the counselors to talk to them and then get the, the information secondhand. And if there's truly two sides to the story and you really dug into this and you're asking us to really trust you and you're completely not forthcoming with any details about this incident at all. You gotta at least tell me that you talked to the gal. This is—I'm really upset. I'm really upset about that. That, That—that might be the worst part of it to me.
0: And then when it all comes down to it, um, because he had—he had said in the past that it was a deal breaker. uh, A domestic violence incident was a deal breaker on making the Seahawks. And uh, to me, this is I think where we kind of have to leave it on just because of the it really is the only information that we have to go on yeah it still is to the
1: end what
0: i can't get into the specifics of frank's case but that is still a deal breaker for us and will continue to be as we move forward so that's where that trust factor comes in that that they in fact, did enough research to be able to make that statement, and and to be able, to, it, it, I I would have. It's a weak statement. It, it, yeah, and that's the problem I had with it.
1: It's a weak statement because if he really didn't put his hands on this woman, and you're sure of it, and you're so comfortable with this guy, don't you say we're convinced that?
0: Yeah, help convince the rest of us listening at right. this moment. If, if
1: you're convinced, then convince us. Right. You know, be able to say. Yeah, we don't think he put his hands... Instead of this Mickey Mouse run-around political answer.
0: And the fact that answer, he, he said that he couldn't get into it... cancer uh, th- won't! Doesn't want to.
1: Sounds yeah. more like won't. Yeah. And that's that's my problem. So I'm disappointed. I I, I really am. And I think... I don't know. That, I think that kind of covers that I, aspect of it to me.
0: Let's talk about the the type of player that they're getting because... When I look at the type of of measurables, mm-hmm. and uh, you, you heard John Schneider, and and getting into the the rest of these guys, yeah. So setting that all aside, yes, yep. And and sorry it took so long, but I think it's important. No, I think that's a conversation you need to be had. Yeah. Um. And now we can get out of the way and talk about these players. When yeah. I heard
1: about his measurables, I was so excited. Like if I just think about him as the prospect,
0: if I just look at his his stat line and Zach Whitman, you know his his spark scores, this type of player uh to have his type of size with combined with the type of a athletic athleticism yeah yeah <laughs> athleticism athleticism yeah we aren't even drinking the show no i'm a, i'm
1: <laughs> drinking coffee today yeah. Yeah.
0: um but that combination of size and ability uh it's the guys that you saw that had those types of numbers were gone they they were gone in the first round mm-hmm. gone in the early second round um think of a a a guy of Michael Bennett's size, but faster.
1: Okay. And that's exactly what I was imagining mm-hmm. when I, I read about his, his measurables and all of those things. And it, a lot like Bruce servant, you were like, wow, this is a weird reach, but wow, look at, look at how fast he is and all that. And then you, you turn on his highlight reel and you see him just explode off the ball. And you're like, holy cow, this guy is, is a, can be a game wrecker. Mm-hmm. So I went back and I looked at some Frank Clark highlights. It, with it, being, again putting all the other stuff aside and trying to be genuinely excited about him the football player. Mm-hmm. And he's a lot larger than Bruce number 1. He's a good 30 40 pounds heavier. Yeah, he's like a
0: 65 270 type right. size, right? So and you
1: see all these explosiveness measur- measurements and here's the things that I came away with watching and these are his highlights mind you. Okay. Um the the highlights that I could find were against teams like Northwestern, uh Miami of Ohio. Teams of that ilk, sure, Division One, but they're not on the lower end. Yeah, they're not your 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 class of the class. Now, one thing that I noticed is he's supposed to be, you know, a, a, a pass rushing expert, and he sounds like he's very explosive and fast. He's not. He's not explosive and fast. That's not how he plays. It doesn't show up. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't. What I saw was a guy that yes, he can get off the ball, but he's thick. And he, what he does is it's it's almost everything he does is set up off of the bull rush. He's he's very powerful,
0: and that's kind of one of the criticisms about him, right? Is that that's kind of his one move? It's true. And so, he, what do
1: you do? Is he would set the bull rush up, and then when he's most effective getting the quarterback is when he's able to get the the lineman moving back a little bit, and then cut to the inside or use the swim move or uh, kind of an awkward spin move. Mm-hmm. So it, you know he's going to have some work there. That was a little bit. I don't think he's the pass rusher and doesn't have the potential to be the pass rusher anywhere near like Bruce did. Mm -hmm. Now, one thing, some things that I thought were real strengths was, man, can this guy change directions quickly? Mm. He's got really quick feet, and he really plays the run very well. He's much stouter that way. So he's never going to play linebacker like Bruce did, but he's definitely a guy that can play maybe even a little inside and outside, but he's not nearly as explosive of an athlete as it appears on the game film as say like a Bruce Irvin, he's, he's closer to uh, he's close. I'll say Michael Bennett, but he's not nearly as explosive as Michael Bennett either Mm -hmm. for the amount of risk with all the other stuff that we just talked about. Watching his tape was a bit of a disappointment. I was expecting to see a super freak Mm -hmm. and I saw a guy I think who can be very good. Now, when I think about that, he was also drafted at the very end of the second round. So second, third round, I mean, what type of player are you going to get there? We drafted Bruce in the first. I mean, there's a reason why those guys go off the board so early. So maybe at the time that they draft him, when you look at draft value in that way, he's probably a pretty solid player uh, for that point in the draft. But he, I, I don't see him as going to be a, as a guy that will be a game changer ever. But I think he could be a solid rotational player.
0: Yeah. And uh, I... I didn't have as much chance to check out the tape as you did. Um, I'm going off some of those other opinions of, yeah, of definitely. where he was, uh, but definitely a guy that was projected lower later, later on in the draft.
1: You know, I, I've seen conflicting reports. Some people say like first, second round, some people say fourth, fifth. And it, it, when I hear all those different numbers, it seems like it all comes back to about second, third. Mm-hmm. So I think they got him about.
0: About in the right spot, about
1: where you might think he would
0: go. Yeah, and I guess for me, uh, when you do combine the the two aspects—the the personal aspect and the football player aspect—this mm-hmm. it would have been um, d- just to have it be the first pick right out of the gate, and then have that type of. We talked about Doriel Green Beckham, right? And uh, very similar. He's very had similar. Uh, domestic violence issues mm-hmm. in, in his past. And drug issues in the past. Now, uh, I guess you trade off for the, the theft issue with, uh. Six of one Clark. half does the other. I'm um, okay. uh, but have, have, you have those types. Of, the difference is with Doriel Green Beckham had the Seahawks taken him. We already had that information. We had already had the time to process you, that. I sure, think, and I sure. think for a lot of people, there would have been that similar disappointment uh having that uh, those just just having those types of things in the past because uh, I think as fans you want to have guys that you can root for and mm-hmm. and some people have a really hard time rooting for guys who have questionable past yeah um so you had that out there, and with frank clark it it uh it was the first time we were hearing about it, so it's true, and I think. One thing that I I wanted to say,
1: too, about Frank Clark now at this point he is a member of the organization. And one thing that comes up to me, I mean, I mentioned the ex-wife earlier. And again, we were very young at the time. And I mean, this is 10, 12 years later now. And I can say definitively that while she still has some anger issues, no doubt, she's definitely not the same person that she was then. Mm -hmm. And she definitely has changed. And it has gotten better. And so when I look at Frank Clark, I'm hoping that he has that ability too. And he's going to have to prove it. But as much as it pains me to say, because of my personal experience, I think I'm willing to give him a shot to prove it. Mm-hmm. And apparently the organization is too.
0: Uh, and credit to him for not taking an Instagram photo next to a stack of MacBook Airs <laughs> after he was picked, right?
1: Right. At least he had the sense of that, At right? least he had the sense to not go James. Oh, Jamis. my Jamis.
0: Now, now Jameis Winston did do, uh, did do that the day before and take a picture with his crab legs. And, and so we did have a, a, a whole day to learn from that uh, bad a, choice by Jameis Winston.
1: What a knucklehead.
0: But He just doesn't
1: get it. No. He just doesn't get it. And I don't even care about the content of the photo. Like I really don't like. I, as a a, somebody who looks at the world through the lens of humor more often than not, Mm -hmm. I I I did find it funny. I understand the humor, right? But (laughs) the problem is, is that you just spent. You know, the last however many months since you, you declared for the draft, trying to convince everybody that you've changed and that you get it and that you're maturing and all those things. And you do something that you know the humorless out there are not going to find funny. It's going to create some controversy. And he goes ahead and does it anyways. Right. And that's wherein lies the problem where the knucklehead factor kind of comes in. And I'm just, man, I, it, there's, there's something just. There's an entitlement there or something along those lines where he just thinks that he can just do these things and it doesn't matter. It feels a lot like Johnny Manziel to a degree in that matter. It's like, well, I'm not going to change being me. Yeah, You know, I mean, you heard Manziel try to convince everybody going up to draft, oh, I've matured, I've matured, I've matured. Then he gets drafted he's like, well, no, I'm going to be me. I I feel like you're going to get a lot of that with Jameis Winston. You can't have that at the quarterback position.
0: No, no. If if we've seen anything based off of Johnny Manziel, uh, it does not work. Uh, but you know, with uh, with Winston, he may work harder, and uh, that will help him succeed. The
1: guy that put on twelve to fifteen pounds before the draft and had to take it all back off.
0: Yeah, I don't know that he works harder. I think he's getting out work, son. He's getting out work, son. Uh, so let's move on to a really high character guy like Tyler Lockett.
1: Isn't that amazing? We go from the the, the Seahawks' first selection. To their next one. And the character side of things couldn't be more on the opposite side of the spectrum.
0: Completely opposite. Uh, Lockett, a guy that, you know, four-year All-American player, played as a freshman all the way through his senior year, mm-hmm. uh, just an incredible athlete, and by all accounts, from what everyone says, is just a great person. He's Russell and, Wilson-esque. Yeah, that's, that's a good comparison. Right. And uh, even in stature. Correct. Uh, <laughs> He is, he is Russell Leskanes. Yeah. Um but and we've talked about this guy before because he was one of those guys that was out there with the with what Seattle needed in terms of oh now you put on Adam has put on the sunglasses.
1: Okay, well, I my kitchen looks out uh, on the off-street parking which you kind of kind of pull in and your car, I don't know why, but it has the exact Right angle, and I'm just getting beamed by the sun. <laughs> right, right in the And I couldn't get up to go put the, the shade up, so no, no. I, I, I'm putting my sunglasses on at night. Oh, you are. So I can.
0: You. <laughs> <laughs> One of us looks cool at this table, and it's not me.
1: Uh, that's debatable.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, yeah, Lockett. Tyler Lockett, wide receiver out of Kansas State um yeah just uh, a great career as far as a receiver goes mm-hmm. um the downside to him is that size and mm-hmm. for all the Seattle fans who have been been uh banging the drum to to go receiver um he he doesn't he doesn't fit up to that prototypical size or or even above average size that you look for in a receiver but the the fact that Seattle is now they, You could hear it in Pete Carroll's voice. He felt as though the issue of punt returns and kick returns had now been solved now that they have Tyler Lockett on the team, even before he gets into rookie camp.
1: Absolutely. And that's one of the things, at first when they drafted Lockett, I'm not going to lie, I was a tiny bit disappointed because... There were the bigger pun. receivers <laughs> because some of the bigger receivers were still on the board like a Justin Strong. He gets, he gets Wh- picked with the next pick.
0: Right to Houston.
1: Right. And so that I was like, really? Okay. But then I start to think about it in terms of his fit on this team. And it, if you look at the three, we talk about the three phases of the game all the time, offense, defense, and special teams. And out of the three phases of the game, what was the weakest last year? And it clearly was special teams. Mm-hmm. And our coverage was pretty good, but the problem, and our kickers were pretty good, but our return game was abysmal. And that's no knock on Brian Walters. He did exactly what we needed him he to do at the turn time turn the
0: ball over. He
1: possessed the ball. <laughs> and so the upgrade that he brings as a returner is. Large. I mean, it's really going to upgrade that third phase of the game that is so highly underrated. And the other thing I wanted to say about Lockett is he was tied for third out of receivers in this draft class at scoring touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And we talk about this at nauseum where the Seahawks look for guys who are touchdown makers. And that's what this guy is. I, I think he's going to come in and play a little bit of receiver. A lot of people say he's going to play inside, and he has the toughness to do it. Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting to see. I mean, you've seen some smaller guys succeed in this league, a la Antonio Brown.
0: Oh, yeah, well, yeah, and Ty Hilton. When I when I look at Tyler Lockett in terms of partly in terms of some of the things that he says, but also based on where he went in the draft, he reminds me a lot of Steve Smith. Oh. and Steve Smith, five foot nine. Came in uh, into the league in the third round. And that was, that's where the the two diverge a little bit is that Steve Smith did, he was a little bit bulkier. And, uh, but Steve Smith came into the NFL and the Ravens were bat or the Panthers were bashed for having a, a guy for picking a guy who was a third round punt returner. Sure. And Steve Smith, he clipped that article and put it in his locker. And he said, I'm going to prove this guy wrong. Yeah. And I was listening to, uh, to Tyler Lockett on Mitch in the Morning on okay. KJR. Okay. And he said that he, in one of his first years that, um, uh, there was a, an article that had, that was critical of him that he had hung up in his locker. And that's how he, that's why he was so determined to be a good route runner because he had looked at players who have had a lot of longevity, uh, especially with uh, being smaller receivers. Looking at those types of players, the thing that set them apart were their route-running abilities.
1: He can go up and get the ball. He runs great routes. He can't... It, what he does do well is he does get separation. And think about all of our receivers. We're short of Doug Baldwin, mm-hmm. separation is the tough part. Right. And sure, we all wanted the bigger receiver. Well, we got one. His name's Jimmy Graham.
0: So that I think and that's part of it. And listening to coach Carroll, he also believes Chris Matthews is in that conversation too.
1: Okay. There's Malcolm Smith was the Super Bowl MVP and he looked great in a game and couldn't crack hardly being a backup. Mm-hmm. Chris Matthews has a lot to prove to me yet. Yeah. I see the potential sure but but Jimmy Graham is our is our is going to be our uh, is going to be our big guy. And we got him
0: in round one. So
1: Lockett runs great routes, is able to get separation against man coverage, goes up and gets the ball well. He has a good high jump, and then he also has kind of that knack that either you have or you don't of uh, finding the soft spots in the zone. Mm-hmm. And so all those things combined with four four speed, great character, a, a dynamic punt in kick returner. I think even though the Seahawks gave up four picks. To get up to draft him, that was the right move. Yeah. Because that was the end of that kind of second tier talent. I mean, I guess Justin Strong, the next pick. But you saw that that Justin was Justin Strong? Isn't that his name? Uh, Jay Strong. Jay Strong. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> he's it's pretty pretty strong, with from Jay. Arizona State. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. But anyways, uh he I think they did the right move because a lot of people are crying about the idea that we gave up all the picks. And I was immediately after the draft too. I, I remember telling you in the car like I was, I was upset about that. It's like, gosh, we have all these picks and we gave give them up. But think about how many open roster spots are actually are in this team. You need to draft guys that you think legitimately can make that roster. There's just not going to be a lot of open spots. So getting rid of those extra picks, those are guys that were probably going to be cut anyway because mm-hmm. they're later round picks.
0: And uh, Jalen Strong, by the way. Um, ah, thank you. And I guess the thing with me and going back to the first pick, it was just the the idea that they may have reached to get Clark at the end of the second round in a spot where you could have taken uh, Tyler Lockett and and then maybe you know, held on to your pick or maybe not have to move quite as far up into the third round to get that same, to get Clark there. Mm-hmm. Had had it been swapped, then I think. Just, but then can you imagine the outcry of giving up extra picks to pick this guy with character Uh, issues? And and that's a good point too. Um, and I think we even, we've talked about this in past years after the, um, you know, the Kristen Michael draft. Mm -hmm. You look at the number or you look at the guys that you end up with and you don't think about necessarily how you got there. And yeah. And maybe that's a better perspective to have. Um, after a draft
1: that's that whole idea of draft value that i I kind of don't like if you like the guy, go get him mm-hmm. it, who who gives a crap where you drafted him? And, and, I mean if he turns out to be a good player, then you made the right choice that's that's all it boils down
0: to to me and with Clark and Lockett, that's what they said those were two of three guys that they wanted to get mm-hmm. on that day and and they got him and they got him and
1: so that was that was day two day one uh, you know for the Hawks overall one other
0: thing yeah well yeah. <laughs> For the day one, you mean the first round? <laughs> yeah,
1: right. Yeah, first round. Uh,
0: well, I guess they nailed we, that round, right?
1: They, they killed it. They killed it. Got mm-hmm. the most NFL ready prospect in that uh, first round in uh, Jimmy Graham.
0: I wanted to mention a couple more things about Lockett. Um, okay. Good. 17 school records he broke at Kansas State. Uh, career mark for receptions, receiving yards, receiving touchdowns. A couple of those were 100 dad's yard receiving. Records. Yes, that's right. They were his dad. That, that um, Mitch uh, was giving him a hard time for not honoring his father by by allowing his record, his dad to hold on to some of those records. Mm, I'm taking that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And uh, Tyler said too. He said, "Oh, my dad wouldn't have liked that at all. No, he, he wanted me to. He wanted me to get those. I'm going to get it. He wants me to. Get uh, it. But yeah, kickoff return yards, uh, and he was uh, Kansas State's first Four time All American and uh, just one of three players in the school to get All Conference honors all four years. And uh, yeah, he just, he was overlooked because of his size. Had he had uh, two more inches on him, he probably would have been compared to a guy like Antonio Brown Mm -hmm. because Antonio Brown, 5'11, you know, super athletic, catches the ball anywhere, you know, good route runner. Um, I also looked at, at his ability to overcome adversity, because a lot of times you hear about it's a, guys. It's a common theme in this
1: draft for the Seahawks, right, by right. the way. Right.
0: Yeah. And uh, back in 2011, his ninth game of the season during his freshman year against Oklahoma State, he had a lacerated kidney that he suffered in a game. Wow. And it was severe enough that the, that it was thought that it could end his career. Um, he wound up in the hospital. His freshman season was over. And he, by the way, he was the only freshman to play on Kansas State. That wow. year, uh, he wa- he had said that he wanted to redshirt so he could c- kind of get a feel for the game, get an understanding. He Maybe almost bigger. and and he almost quit because he had a bad game early in that season. Which it kind of it gives me a little bit of concern, but the fact that he didn't and the and that he pushed through uh, that's also that's where that overcoming adversity comes in for me. But uh, there's a uh, huge difference between
1: almost quit and, and quit. And to me, heck, there's a few things in my life that. I can honestly say I almost quit on, Mm -hmm. but didn't. And it it definitely turned out in the end. Just because you have a low point and you actually have that real conversation with yourself and say, should I just give this up? I don't know. But then find the strength in that moment. Mm -hmm. I think that's there's a lot of strength to be... I think that says a lot about a person's character. that Even when you're doubting yourself the most and you have that legitimate concern that maybe I do need to to quit at whatever it is that i'm doing here but then be able to turn around that mindset i think that is very powerful and i think that's a mark of strength rather than a weakness sure
0: and and the point was is that uh early in the season that is when he kind of questioned himself he got he overcame that and then he had this injury that was you know yeah. career threatening mm-hmm. and he was able to then look at that and overcome that as well and go on to the the career he did yeah. and he, and he had that question of he questioned himself and said, had I just redshirted, these things wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, he, he impressed his, and he thought about even, uh, jaking it in practice and yeah. not going a hundred percent. Yeah. So that his coaches would give him time to redshirt. Right. He didn't do it. He
1: didn't do it. I, I think that all speaks highly to him as a individual.
0: Yep. So let's move on that we at the Seahawks, they address the offensive line at him. Uh, you know,
1: day three. I think is what made me feel great about this draft. Right? Yeah. It went from like me feeling like, okay, we got a receiver. That's maybe a tweener, but he could be great. he could, Maybe not. I don't know that that stuff. And then a guy that I'm like, yeah, I'm not stoked about him really, even as a player. And then we got into day three. And I think you saw the Seahawks do exactly what they've done in the past. And it's, they've identified some guys that are unbelievably unique.
0: Back to back. They go offensive line. And get Mark Lewinsky, a uh, guard out of West Virginia, mm-hmm. and then Terry Poole, a tackle out of San Diego State. Right. Uh, now. And these were both guys that had actually visited uh, the VMAC facility uh, leading up to the draft. So these are ty- guys that the, the Seahawks did spend time with at the facility and uh, worked them out.
1: Now, Terry Poole, I have not had a chance to dive into yet, but I mean, a big guy. I mean, he's, 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 big drink of water <laughs> mm-hmm. that that'll be interesting to see they're projecting him at right guard to start uh so it'll be it'll be fun to kind of go back and look at some of the things that he's done and, and to see what he does through training camp now Glowinski, this is a guy that i had a chance to go back and look at a little bit and on field goals they had a uh, a highlight video and of course the highlight videos always look great and he was. the he, highlights, yeah, right? And uh, so he. You don't see a lot of
0: low light videos. No,
1: no, but he's he's a guy you know, pancaking guys and moving guys in the run game and and stout in, in the pass game, and you're looking at that and you're like, wow, okay, cool, like th- this could be good kid out of West Virginia, and so then I went back and I watched the entire Alabama West Virginia game and every offensive snap, and I looked just at him, mm-hmm. and the thing that I came away with was, it didn't look so much different than his highlight video Mm. against top-tier talent. I mean, we're talking Alabama. This is the ranked number two first game of the year. And a couple things that really impressed me. Number one, in the run game, he was able to get a good punch off the line of scrimmage and turn a guy and then get to the second level. And that's really where the running game can really start to take off is when you have a lineman that can make his initial block and stone that guy and get to the second level and give the running back just that little more of a crease to get rolling. The other thing that really impressed me was they pulled him a lot as a guard. So when they say they pull a guard, basically at the snap of the ball, they hop up out of their stance. They say he's on the right side, which he played Mm -hmm. at West Virginia and the running play is going to the left, the guard pops up out of a stance and runs all the way around behind the center and in front of the quarterback as the running back gets the ball, and he hits the line on the left-hand side to help block and open a hole. And the idea is what they're leaving behind It's such a quick hitting play that that defender can't get to the play. Right. And that's a hard thing for Lyman to do, to be that athletic. And he's got really quick feet. He really moves extremely well, and they pulled him a lot. I, I was very impressed with that. That might have been the most impressive thing that he did and then thirdly, he was very solid in pass protection. Usually, you, you that's. He, can do he could do both. You're telling me he could do both, he Adam. D- he could do both. And this is, this is one of those things. He, he was able to, to, to get up out of a stance quickly. And even though he may get rocked back a step or maybe two, it was at that point where boom, it was a wall. Mm-hmm. And once he had his hands on you, those guys weren't moving around. Now, with all that said, he was awesome through the whole game. And then it came down to the last two plays with two minutes left. West Virginia's down, and it's two passing plays. And he just gets his doors blown off (laughs) on both (laughs) of them. So (laughs) as far as the consistency overall, for the vast majority of the game, he looked amazing. He had two bad plays. Right at the end. uh, Right at the end. So it'll be interesting to see how he fits in overall. But they're looking at him as a right guard to start with uh, behind Swee's We'll see if that holds up. I've heard some things that maybe he could possibly play center too, but I'm high on Gluwinski. Yeah, you know. I
0: think they worked out all the guys on the offensive line that they selected. I think that they, well, the the two guys and then the one defensive lineman that we'll get to. Oh, yeah. Uh, but uh, they, they all worked out at center just to to see what they had. Now, I went through and I, I wanted to get an idea for just some of the personality that these players had. Mm-hmm. And, and I did clip, uh, just a short clip, for um, uh, um, Tony Ventrella. Mm-hmm. He did phone interviews with a lot of these draft picks after the draft and uh here's the one with Mark.
1: Uh I thought it was going to be the place to go honestly it was everything that I could you know want and everybody that was there at the organization took me in and you know they showed me around and you know they had nothing
0: but positive things to say and you know it it seemed natural for them and that's somewhere I would want to be. So a guy just just happy to be uh, coming to the NFL, coming to Seattle, and uh, had good things to say, take away from his his visit in Seattle. And he's got some nasty to him, mm-hmm. really puts guys down, finishes plays. Uh, I like the idea that we can just
1: call him Glow. Glow. I, I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited about Gluinski. I, I think that was a solid pickup, especially for that uh, uh, part of the draft. I think they've got they, – they really – I think he could be a hit. And a guy that at the very least – has a chance to be a rotational guy mm-hmm. and a guy that they kind of work into things.
0: For me on the offensive line, if, when I start to... I'm going to say we'll start to see a lot more success with this line when we have a group of guys that consistently be Stand on the, the field, field week to week and can grow together at, throughout the season and you aren't having to rotate out guys because of so many injuries. I want guys on the line that can stay healthy for a season and and work together and and to me that will be a, a moment of success when we can see that
1: it, it absolutely that's a huge thing and a lot of people underrate offensive line chemistry mm-hmm. on on that level and I think it's a it's a gigantic deal and I think that's part of the reason you saw them part with Max Unger is his difficulty staying on the field over the last two years and it, it does it, it hurts the continuity so I think that's a great point
0: point. and and Obviously, they, they have to be happy with Patrick Lewis as potentially being the starter or, or letting jump here. He was Jean-Pierre. at least
1: serviceable, right?
0: And they want, well, they want every game that, that's, that he started. That's my point. And, and right. So you say at least he is, he's serviceable and he can grow and he's young and, uh, at the maybe, very least,
1: he's your safety, right? Uh, You're, the, the
0: safe, yeah, the, the, the safe pick that, that you know yeah. and, and You're now fallback. you can, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so the other guy, uh, Terry Poole, I, I did have a, a clip with him as well. Oh, cool. I'm good, man. If, if y'all seen me play, you gonna play okay. That's why he can move so well. You know, uh, I'm a swift player, you know, I post up, but I can also move
1: and. Shoot, I get I get it done most definitely. I can hang. I can hang with the big dogs. Now, I like <laughs> Terry Poole. I haven't looked into him all, but I'm immensely a fan, just off that one thing right
0: now. Now I should have set that up a little bit better. That was uh, Tony had asked him about his basketball game. And oh, so that
1: yeah. was they that post was, people up. That yeah. was
0: Terry t- yeah talking about how he can hang uh, basketball wise. And the big uh dogs. and so yeah, he can hang with the big dogs. It was just the, the personality that you yeah. get. Um Yeah. Glad,
1: from, from I'm glad that that's the clip. clip you chose, actually. Yeah. Uh that that's great. <laughs> so I no, I look forward to getting into a little more with Terry Poole and seeing kind of how he goes forward but uh, a guy didn't he play tackle
0: yeah he was tackle for San Diego State so you have these guys that are versatile pieces Mm -hmm. but like you said this uh, so Poole they're looking at playing him at left guard Mm -hmm. and competing with With Alvin Bailey Bailey. uh, for that for that guard spot now talk uh, listening in to the press conferences after day three um, Pete said hey this is this is where we have them slotted right now but we absolutely reserve the right to move these guys around and oh, of course. and potentially uh, start them at, at different places along the line. Mm-hmm. Uh, while we are talking uh, linemen, let's let's skip over Ty Smith, uh, the cornerback out of Tosin, and go to Christian Sokolai. Are,
1: re- are we really skipping over Ty Smith? We'll go back to him. Oh,
0: okay. But I, I want to talk offensive line as a whole because uh, Sokolai, um, uh, originally a D lineman, mm-hmm. just like J.R. Sweezy. Nose tackle. Uh, yeah, a nose tackle for Buffalo and uh, they're talking about playing him at center.
1: I'm unbelievably jazzed for this guy. Isn't it crazy? I, I really am, because we see their track record as far as being able to convert these guys with Sweezy, mm-hmm. and you look at this guy's measurables and you brought up a couple things to me before the pod that were really interesting about his measurables.
0: Yes. And uh, if you listen to the press conference with John Schneider, he he didn't want to get into it. But having... That was
1: funny. I think the reporters were hovering around one of the Seahawks' secrets. Yes. That, that they... They really think they have over the rest of the league, and he really didn't want to get into answering this question. And this is
0: why I'm so happy we had Zach Whitman on before the draft, because yeah. to, to have that little bit of a picture into spark scores and measuring athleticism – John Schneider, throughout the press conference, as far as he would go, he would say measurables. That was as far as he mm-hmm. would go. Pete Carroll did go a little bit beyond that and say, you know, this guy has just an unbelievable, I think he had like a, what, 38-inch vertical as yeah. a nose tackle. Yeah. And, well, that's stuff
1: you can look up, you know, so it's not like it's he's giving there. away the farm. Yeah. But
0: but exactly. Yeah, that's why I think Pete was comfortable with it, mm-hmm. giving it, <laughs> giving that part of it away. But yeah,
1: but John it, John wants no part of that.
0: If you look at Zach Whitman's, we talked about what a three sigma athlete is, right? Mm -hmm, And, mm -hmm. and how I think he named off every one of them and there were what, five guys?
1: Yeah, you're the super freaks of super freaks.
0: Well, along the defensive line. So part of, part of, uh, finding those, the sigmas, the, the deviations from the, the average NFL player, um, and, and being three deviations from the, the average NFL player. Right. Um, JJ Watt not from the average
1: dude from the average NFL. NFL player. Yeah, who
0: is already a freak.
1: Yeah, he's the best at, his, at what
0: he did in his state for probably 4 years. And one of the players that Zach brought up was JJ uh, Watt. And <laughs> that's a guy that you look at and and you know that that guy's a freak because you see so what he does on the field. Yeah. Uh well, this guy's his measurables, uh, his the, all of those uh, things that go into that that score that that uh, Spark score. Mhm. Um, when you look at Christian, uh, along the defensive line, the closest guy he matches up to on the defensive line, as far as his measurables go, is JJ Watt. Holy. <laughs> which is, now his play didn't, uh, interpret to that on the field. Uh, you saw when, um, you know, the, the analysis online of the, they were, when they were looking at that Sokoli, um, they, weren't really impressed because it hadn't showed on the field. And that's why he, he did fall so low and he was expected to go undrafted. Now, when you take that, those same types of, uh, his athleticism, uh, his, his scores at those, you know, those different, um, you know, whether he's running the shuttle, whether he's, whether it's his vertical, his bench press, when you move him over to the offensive line, now he is four standard deviations away. Uh, the four, so he, <laughs> Zach says he's the only four-sigma athlete if you put him on the offensive side of the ball. Now, if you were to do that same thing with J.J. Watt, obviously you would have uh, same sort of same deal. sort of outcome in terms of the numbers. But that shows you his type of freakish athleticism that he has, you put that on the offensive side of the ball, combine that with how much they really like his intellect and the the fact that they think that he can... That he can uh, get a grasp of the center position. He did play, Sokoli did play offensive tackle in high school. Mm-hmm. So offensive, uh, that's, he's not completely, uh, he, he's played on that side of the ball. Um, but they think that he can work out as at center. It's pretty exciting. It's very exciting. This is one of those
1: guys that you look at and you talk about upside finally. And this is, this is extremely high upside. Now, the other thing we talked about adversity being, part of uh, a common thread Mm -hmm. throughout this draft and he's from albania apparently his parents moved over his dad moved over first uh, about four years before he did and his siblings and then his mom two years after that and two years after that is when they all moved over uh to the u.s and that was a time after albania had gone through some civil unrest too and you know kind of hear him talk a little bit about that and he speaks very intelligently on top of all of it um he's he's a guy that's been through some stuff and has really overcome and I, that to me all the out of all the women that i've dated like the couple that i've really felt connected to that were really great people were people who'd been through some stuff mm-hmm. and i think it really grounds a person and i and i think that's so important when you're starting to look at these players and i think he's one of those guys that you hear uh Pete talk about when they called him uh, for to tell him that they were drafted, and he was like, It's pretty intense. intense. <laughs> pretty intense. And, and yeah. I
0: have a clip from uh, his conversation with Tony Ventrella.
1: Well, honestly, my cousin Edmire who' who's a huge mentor for me, and uh, guy I'm really close to speak every week. Really, uh, he's the one that got me into football, you know, eighth grade high school. He got me into football and he introduced me to it. And I still wasn't sure about it exactly, but I, I'd say it's my sophomore year of high school. I mean, the NFL was my dream, and I was 100% locked into football. He's going to... I think he could be a straight beast. Mm -hmm. I really do. I I think this is maybe the most hockey pick of this
0: draft. (laughs) It, It feels that way. Yeah. I...
1: It's going to take some time, though. Like, we need to have patience. I mean, again, this is a six-round guy, a lot like Sweezy. Wasn't he seventh round or undrafted?
0: Yeah. It, he was seventh round. Yeah. And he did start the year on O-line, but that was because of injury. Right. Uh, and they, they needed him to start. Right. Um, and then, and, and he looked rough. Yeah. And But by the uh, by the end of the season, he went back out. And I, I believe he was starting again by the end mm-hmm. of the season, but had shown a considerable amount of improvement.
1: Sweezy went up in his rookie year against J.J. Watt in a game. Yeah. I mean, with like his second start or something yeah, along those something lines. It was like something that. to say. And he really held his own overall. Mm-hmm. And, man, I think this guy could kind of be that same kind of athlete. I'm, I'm really excited to see how he develops.
0: A six five center. That's that's a big dude in the middle. That's a big
1: dude. It, it does concern me a little bit. It, that's that six four six five range. You start getting much taller than that, and you're... You can't play with the kind of leverage that you need, yeah. uh, to be a successful offensive lineman. To win at the line of scrimmage, it's it, the age old adage, low man wins. Mm-hmm. And it's true. It, you can be not as strong as the, as your opponent, but if you're the low guy, you've got all the leverage. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see if, uh, the, he can put it all together.
0: Yeah. Uh, he's, he's definitely one to be looking forward to watching. So, yeah. uh, let's go back. Let's, let's talk a little bit of, um, a little Bit of cornerback, yeah,
1: absolutely. So, uh, the, the Seahawks Smith. exactly. I was just gonna say the Seahawks go back in the fifth round and pick a DB. Mm-hmm. Who knew
0: a <laughs> fifth round DB? Uh, I think that's a when requirement. you just do
1: that. When you just do that, I'm like, sweet, this guy will probably be all pro. <laughs> he's gonna be
0: starting, yeah, yeah that's, that's yeah. just what's gonna happen. But,
1: but a guy that uh, he's six foot but long arms, mm-hmm. and when I say six foot, like I'm disappointed that he's not like <laughs> six four, six foot is tall still for a corner, yeah. Uh, it, but but still long arms. Now his biggest knock is he's not particularly fast. Runs a four 6, forty. Let's just remember that Richard Sherman ran a four five six forty. Yeah. So we're talking four one hundredths of a second difference in a forty yard dash. That's not
0: light years. Uh, no, it's not.
1: So a guy that they see that could possibly develop, but at the very least, he can be a depth guy. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's good. Now I, he played at a small school, so his competition wasn't always the highest. But. but-
0: That's why he's in the fifth
1: round. That's why he's in the fifth round. But I did go back and watch a few series of him playing against West Virginia where he was locked up with Kevin White. Kevin White's a monster of a wide receiver.
0: Yeah. Well, one of your favorite guys coming out of the draft. He's going to into the draft. He he
1: could wreck this league. Uh, But uh, he probably was out of all the things that I saw with Ty Smith and that they played a lot of zones. So there wasn't a lot of man matchups to look at. But early in the game, here's a couple things that stuck out to me. Number one, on the first two plays, he got up in Kevin White's grill, who was a bigger dude than him, and he was so physical with him that Kevin White was getting angry in two plays. Mm. This is a, this guy's a monster competitor. You talk about guys that can come in and compete with the Legion of Boom and be physical and not afraid to get up against the best of the best and, and, and tangle. Mm-hmm. This guy can tangle. Like He's going to get in there and, and mix it up. That's one thing that I really love to see. Second thing, On their first drive of the game, West Virginia gets down close to the goal line and they run uh, basically two bubble screens in three plays. And the first one, he's out there on an island and they kind of run Kevin Smith around or Kevin White behind uh, the uh, the other receiver that's on that side that Ty Smith was matched up with. Mm. And Ty Smith was maybe eight yards off the ball. He recognized it before it was out of the quarterback's hand, engaged the wide receiver, Pushed him back into Kevin White almost to the point to where he got to Kevin White. Now he plays a Towson, so the rest of his players. <laughs> so he's basically taking on the play. Eventually, Kevin White got around him and, and made it for a big game. But he really held up the play. You you play that with uh, a defense with the Seahawks where they flow to the ball that that's not much of a gain. Yeah. So that was impressive. Now two plays later, they run the same bubble screen except for instead of the receiver uh, that was throwing the block initially. They instead of having him stand to block, they run him down the field on a fly route to try to take Ty Smith out of the play. Mm. Ty Smith. So again, this is within three plays. Ty Smith recognizes this instantly and is up and, and makes a great tackle. I, his recognition was amazing. His competitiveness was amazing. And this is going up against top tier athletes at this point uh, with the size and relatively similar measurables to Sherman. This is a, this is this is what they look for.
0: And. The reason why it ends up being a, a sea hockey type pick, I think, in this case, is that uh, you've seen that athleticism at this position isn't as critical. Um, you're looking, like you said, for that that recognition that that the ability of them to recognize plays, the football smarts and because when when you look at his numbers yeah and and you mentioned his he, he's slightly above average in comparison to NFL corners mm-hmm. as far as his athleticism goes sure. but but when you so yeah average or a little bit above average there but when you can say that he has above average intellect and can recognize those types of plays that's what sets him apart
1: especially when you combine that with this coaching staff and mm-hmm. Pete Carroll being the Yoda of DBs. Right. <laughs> I mean, really. And uh, again, as Sherman, he wasn't one of those guys that looked at and said, he's an outstanding athlete. Right. Sherman. The reason why he is so dominant, it's because of his brain. Yeah, it really is. And uh, I, Ty Smith has that sort of, I, I saying he's going to be Richard Sherman is again, like John Schneider said, you're going to think I'm nuts. I, I don't think he, 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 maybe he'll get there, but the idea that he can be in that vein to a degree or just sure. in that Seahawks mold is pretty exciting fifth round that's great great history great pedigree there it's i can't wait to watch this guy progress so
0: not only football intellect but to be able to have that type of personality too uh to really want to and and, and uh, one of the things they looked at and you heard grit come up over and over mm. players that have grit and i think that's the the term that they use to to measure, uh, just how well they can integrate with the type of players they have in the locker room that, yeah, they have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. They want to prove somebody wrong. They want to be the best. They want to take on the best. And, and they all have that, a little bit of that to them, uh, for, for all these types of players. And they have not an
1: ounce of quit in them. Right. And they love to play the game. And that's, those are the things that I think at the end of the day really separate the, mediocre from the good and the good from the great
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i i feel like i probably should go back and and since we did bring up a spark to bring up uh some of the other guys glowinski one of those guys um Uh, the Z score, which measures the, the deviations from the average. So the, the, you know, the three sigmas is the, the Mm -hmm. three deviations, right? Well, this guy's a 1.7. So, you know, one and a half times your average athlete at that, at that particular offensive line position. Yeah. Um, so up there. Frank Clark also same 1.7. Uh, really athletic type of guy. And
1: what's interesting when you say that, you know, they both measured out about the same watching them play, boy, it really looked like, Glowinski was the the better athlete out of the two. Mm, mm-hmm. I mean, really, truly, I mean, not that not that Frank Clark isn't an athlete, he is, but um, I don't know. Maybe that's unfair because because Frank Clark can move laterally really well. Yeah, and he and he is quick that way.
0: And I think that's where yeah. he he um, he sparked out the highest was his lateral movement. And, yeah, like and also the cone his, drill, uh, and his as vertical. Hmm, okay. So, um, which probably wouldn't have shown up on. <laughs> No, but it, it is a marker of explosiveness. Right, right. And
1: he really did get it, you know, had a good punch off the line.
0: Uh, Tyler Lockett, um, he's actually almost uh, right even at zero, so average. Um, but you look at some of his plays, and <laughs> tell me that guy isn't a, a freakish type athlete. Uh, as far as the, the watch, it, they, they had uh, one highlight that I saw of Lockett's where he uh, um, just totally jukes a guy out of his shoes. And uh, you know, like he's going to come back and then double goes, move
1: and just just and, yeah just crushes the guy
0: it. out and then catches the ball and then makes a ton of other guys miss after catching the ball and yeah it, and in that vein it kind of reminds you of Golden Tate too just as far as being elusive after catching the ball Golden Tate much more physical way more physical. Uh, in addition to his elusiveness but uh, just to have that type of you know ability to he's get just, away he's slippery and, yeah.
1: yeah yeah Uh but speaking about super freak athletes let's talk about six round pick. Obum guachum.
0: Obum guachum.
1: Yeah. It's going to be fun for me to say for yeah. like a while. It's going to take a little learning, uh, but I'm going to have some time to do it.
0: And before we get into it, let, let me play a, a little clip from him with his interview with Tony Ventrella. Okay.
1: You know, like I said, it wasn't, you know, the, the easiest, but my coaches allowed that to, you know, they were with me throughout and they allowed the, the process to not be as hard as it should be. But, um, you know, having to eat a lot, having to go to sleep a little bit. Spend a little extra time with our coaches to try to pick up the playbook as soon as possible before before spring term started before the the spring season started um you know having to having to learn things uh you know before fall camp having to do all that it you know it wasn't very easy, but the fact that I had so many people behind me and um you know people that truly believed in me and could see the See that the outcome would be,
0: you know, very monumental for not just me, but for our team. Now, what he's talking about is he is a convert from wide receiver to defensive line. Say what? He, he in college, <laughs> excuse me? In college, he converted from wide receiver to defensive line. How many times, if ever, do you see guys convert from that position? He's talking about, you know, having to bulk up. And to, to play that position. Sure. And, you know, that, hey, that would be a pretty alright thing to, to have to do, right? To- <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, depending on how you're bulking up, because just bulking up, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, eating a few cheeseburgers, that's not so bad. But uh yeah, bulking up with, with actual muscle and stuff, uh-huh. that's, that's harder.
0: <laughs> Probably. Yeah. That requires a little mo- bit more effort than the just eating part.
1: It, it sure does. Now, like you said, a guy who played wide receiver and is tra- tra- transitioning, uh, unlike my speech, uh, to... Defensive end is with, with
0: a couple years more of development, Adam. You can you can get beyond that. I you, can get
1: more our- Yeah. <laughs>
0: okay.
1: <laughs> Good. So, anyways, the idea that he's making that transition is is unbelievable. Now, super freak athletes. I posted on the Facebook page a, a little video of him taking off right. from the free throw line and dunking it, a la Michael Jordan. Okay, I, you all remember that. Now, to some, just a, a caveat. Jordan had his full foot behind the line when he took off. but and, you're, uh, you're
0: seriously going to, that's the critique that Obum, you're going to give?
1: And Obum had, you know, about the front third of his foot over the line. Now, how many
0: more pounds does Obum have on him than Jordan had? Uh, a few. A few.
1: <laughs> a few. And that's my point. How many DNs have you ever seen do that? I challenge you, none. 6'5",
0: 246 okay. is his size.
1: And you say, oh, he's going to have to bulk up a little to play DN. Let me, let me give you an idea, or, or just a comp. A, a comp. Six three two forty eight. That's Bruce Irvin, mm-hmm. and you go through Von Miller's about that same weight. Uh, Lawrence Taylor was around that same weight. That that you can play D end as as a rusher, as is a, a pure rusher at that size. Now, so I went back and looked at some of the stuff, and I talked about how you know after seeing the spark scores, I expect Frank Clark to just. He's a,
0: he's average uh, as athletics uh, athletics y or oboom is oboom in terms of his athleticism uh is about average for for the defensive end position the then they're rushing, getting it wrong the edge rushing position then
1: they're getting it wrong he must not have worked out well because you talk about the way that a guy explodes off the line of, sc- of scrimmage he ran around guys like traffic cones yeah this guy he, he's got on. Un- Unreal athleticism, and now he was out there running around like a chicken with his head cut off because he's just starting to learn. But you take and you can harness that kind of raw uh, ability, and and start to train him up at that position. This could be a deadly player. Now he's not going to be an immediate impact player by any means. Heck, he may be practice squad for a couple years. But he really, I the, that was imp- his raw athleticism is unbelievably impressive.
0: Well, and I think that's where um, it was his. His ability to get off the ball and as a wide receiver, transitioning from wide receiver to the edge rusher position, uh, that's where they really like that explosiveness that Mm -hmm. he, that he showed getting off the, off the line of scrimmage on the offensive side. Right. Uh, that's why they saw the transition to the defensive line at Oregon State where he played. Um, that's where, yeah, they saw his ability to do that.
1: Exactly. And you heard them talk about, uh, Pete Carroll and John Schneider talk about, John falling in love with his motor, and I, I hate the term motor, but his effort—he's mm-hmm. an all-out effort player. I mean, you can you can see it just by watching this guy. He's, he's playing like his hair's on fire every single down. I, I love it. It, it, it. Pretty cool pick. Yeah, now, again, I I don't know if it will work out, but the thing is, is you brought up a couple pods ago. How many of the guys that we've drafted over the last since? schneider's been there who are still in the league or productive players and Whether all that they're
0: on a practice squad or you know low on the depth chart they are in but at the least league. still in the league and so
1: to get it it's a lot of people be like oh you're getting excited over six seventh round guys you know, they'll poo-poo that but the thing is is there's a track record in a history uh, as far as john schneider goes of really finding guys that actually stick in the league during that time and that's why when you look at stoke uh, stokely or, or or you know glowinski or, or you know oboom here uh, they, yeah you feel free to get excited because there's a good chance that if they're not playing for us they're they're at least gonna stick in the league and, and be and be real players
0: mm-hmm. and uh, so that leaves the last uh the last guy ryan murphy mm-hmm. free safety another a guy at oregon Obum. state yeah and uh here's a clip from ryan me playing this sport for money has
1: never, you know, crossed my mind. You know, I've, I've never played this sport put on pads saying, oh, it's time to get this money. No, it's always been, you know, a love of mine. Um, just me getting out there playing and competing uh, is my joy. So uh the fact that I get this opportunity is great.
0: And when you're drafting a guy in the seventh round, that's a really important mindset to have. You want a guy mm-hmm. who just loves to play football. He, Sounds like a guy who is going to work, willing to work, willing to get better. Um, was he was the guy that has uh, fellow athlete? Isn't he a cousin of Marshawn Lynch and uh, a cousin of like another NBA player, Dame Lillard? Yeah, yeah, Dame Lillard.
1: So he's got some some pedigree there. Now, uh, a guy that played at Oregon State mm-hmm. and uh, a safety. And again, we have a spot open. You talk about this draft and the way that Seahawks. Drafted. Not only do I think that they drafted best guy available in a lot of terms, but they also happen to fall into need as well, which is very fortunate. Unlike the Niners draft, I, we'll get into that at, at some point in one of these pods. Yeah, That's a that's a scary draft if I'm a 49ers fan as far as...
0: Uh, Where are you going to w- fill out the rest of your roster?
1: W- w- yeah, how did we get better right now? But anyways, the, the Hawks did a great job of finding need and be- best player available all at the same time, and Ryan Murphy fits in this. This is a guy that could come in and compete for that spot of Daron Johnson.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, another great athlete as well, too. Um, uh, a, a Z score or a, okay. uh, one deviation above your NFL average for the three free or for the free safety position. For The free so, safety position, well, yeah. good deal. So you got that going on too. Yeah. Now uh, we mentioned off the top undrafted free agents mm-hmm. and obviously the headliner there yep Nate Boyer yeah Nate from Boyer Texas the long snapper
1: I like that he's getting a shot
0: like that he's getting a shot uh, Carol really likes his special teams ability mm-hmm. uh it, it almost makes you wonder if if they have a spot on special teams would you carry uh Clint Gresham along with a special teamer that can just you know it shows that much effort on kickoff returns and because really that's where Pete Carroll, it, it almost sounded to him, uh, listening to Carroll's comments about Nate Boyer and his abilities, he glowed more on his special teams ability than really even talking long snapping at all.
1: Well, long snapping is special teams. No, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, as far as his but coverage ability. His
0: coverage ability. He's like, yeah, he gets down the field and he's like he's just going to hit someone.
1: Yeah. I, I I mean, he's a green beret. I have, and I have a feeling he will hit someone, you know, but at 34, I don't know. I mean, do you do you keep a guy around like that? Now, I guess it all depends on how the roster kind of falls and injuries and all that. Sure. He has a shot. I think it's a long shot. I think it's a lot like the rugby player from Australia mm-hmm. in a way. You know, I mean, a guy that... Sure, I mean, you're a great athlete and you were dominant at what you did. And I'm sure he was dominant at being a Green Beret and, and, and all of those things. But coming in and just spending a couple years Playing football and then to make an NFL roster after that at that age later on in life is going to be difficult. It's going to be very difficult, but maybe maybe he he, he can as a you know a pseudo gunner or, or something along those lines. I don't know about his speed, but maybe he sticks around and maybe you keep that guy on the roster because of of the character thing. I mean, that's the type of guy that you want around your young guys. I mean, I'm thirty six. Can you imagine being in a locker room at, at 34? I mean, guys are going to look up to you just not only because of your pedigree, but in your experience, but just because you are a little bit older and you'll be able to communicate with them. I, I think that that it's a lot like Russell Wilson with the Rangers. They have him in more just to that championship mentality. And I think that's maybe a little bit of what they're doing here.
0: He is like a life coach that you have on the side of the field. And I yeah. think I'm going to take your clip at him and, and, cut it out and find a way to get it to him. Just, be, just so he has that one more incentive of, of here's somebody that I have to prove wrong that, that I can
1: make But I'm doubting. I, I'm just saying it's going to be hard. I'm not saying he can't. I just, I mean, the reality of course of it. it's hard. It's the NFL <laughs> and it's the, you know, back to back Super Bowl appearance, Seattle Seahawks with very few roster spots available. I mean, a it's, guy
0: who was perfect. five hundred snaps. It's long odds. I 500
1: know. Perfect. I know snaps. because he's ex-military. Like you, you, you got the biggest uh, man crush that you possibly could on him. But I'm just. He talking. did go to
0: Texas. He did grow up before he. Didn't right.
1: Understand. So there's your knock. Right. Yeah, there's my knock. Ding and ding. He's got one more strike <laughs> to, to go. But I, I mean, I, I just looking at the reality of it. Um, I. I appreciate the Seahawks giving him his chance.
0: Well, I appreciate you offering a little uh, more reality side to it because I cannot, uh, with my. From
1: the media story aspect of it, yes. like that, it, it's just, it is a Disney movie, I right? I
0: can't give any negative. This is better than Rudy, right here. This is a story better than Rudy. Better than Rudy? Heck yes. Oh, what did Rudy do? You think do the entire team he is got gonna... in, He got in for,
1: what, one play? Do you think the <laughs> entire team is going to come in and throw down their jerseys just so that Nate Boyer
0: can play in a game? I he already <laughs> succeed he had more success than Rudy did because he Because he's real? Because he's real. <laughs> and he, well, he played 4 years at Texas. Yeah. And and yeah. now he's an NFLer. Rudy never made it to the NFL. He was never he never got the call. That from wasn't a pro his team. Dream.
1: That wasn't his dream. He just well. wanted to play for the Irish.
0: Well, he he yeah.
1: And Rudy wasn't a green Beret. he was just an average guy trying hard. <laughs> okay? Yeah. So there's something to be said for that. Don't you be selling Rudy short.
0: Hobbits should should be players. I'm That's all selling. I'm, saying. I'm selling on Rudy, and I'm buying on Nate Boyer. You
1: can't sell on a Hobbit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. But, but uh, lots of other undrafted free agents. We talked a little bit about. On yeah, the last Jesse pod.
0: Davis, uh, a tackle from Idaho. Uh, he was a guy that visited the Seahawks. Cool. And, yeah. Um. Yeah, and a small school guy. Vandals. Yeah. Another. Uh, there's more offensive line help if you're looking for that possibility. Um, Keenan Lambert, uh, notable because uh, he's related to Cam Chancellor. Wow, uh, strong safety out of Norfolk State. Norfolk, huh? Okay. Norfolk State.
1: All right. Well, and you you saw that the Hawks signed what was it? Twelve guys in a matter of forty five minutes after the draft closed, or something yeah, like yeah. that. And we talked a little bit about the way they compete for undrafted free agents. And so we'll see. These are guys that I I really don't know a ton about. In maybe some Alex of these guys Singleton, flash.
0: linebacker from Montana State, a Bobcat yeah that how how happy is jared about that uh he can, a guy he can get behind on the seahawks now.
1: maybe maybe he but he's still a seahawk in jared's eyes now at this point
0: yeah yeah is he, has he he
1: might as well be from eastern washington really
0: right <laughs> as far as you're concerned yeah that's the same type yeah, but of, he's
1: a montana boy i can't root
0: against right. him yeah that's a good point i mean
1: we all have our flaws <laughs>
0: Well, you know, we're running a little bit long on our draft coverage. We haven't yet talked about our trip out to Seattle. We
1: can get into it slightly in the second
0: half. Let's do that. Okay, cool. All right, back in a bit. Seahawkers podcast is the official podcast of the official booster club of the Seattle Seahawks, and we are coming back after our break. Uh, we talked about it early in the show, Adam, that we made the trip out to Seattle, mm-hmm. hadn't really had a chance to talk about it much. Um, but yeah, let's get a little let's get into it before we get into. It. We got some review. We got an iTunes review to get to. Yeah. Uh, got a couple emails. Um, Great time on our trip out to Seattle. Really thank uh, Sean Widmer and Dan Dickow for having <laughs> us on and on yeah. the ESPN Radio in Spokane uh, stopping there. It was it was fun times.
1: That was kind of a thrill. I've actually never set foot inside of a radio station, let alone you know talk live on air from the booth.
0: I was impressed with you because I thought you might be a little more nervous than you actually were, but you did great. Yeah,
1: thanks, man. No, it's hilarious because uh, when I had called into their show... About the first week they were on the air a while back, and they had me talk. I, uh, my heart was about ready to fly out of my chest. Like I, I was, I was struggling, like nervous. And I now, was,
0: I was more nervous for you uh, before that call though than I think I was uh nervous for you or nervous for myself uh <laughs> being in the studio. Well I can't control what you say uh when you're talking on the air. But I <laughs> I know I can control what I say, so it wasn't as ner- you know it, it was more nerve wracking about for- the content that could possibly <laughs> come out. <laughs> well just uh, because uh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: No it's okay, Brandon. Just say it. Just yeah, say it. Yeah, it was about the content. <laughs> okay. Well I think I did all right that way. Uh but no I it was really funny because I felt far more comfortable just hanging out with the headphones on, leaning up against the wall, just you know Talking NFL, like that, that, much easier. NFL,
0: NBA, little boxing, NBA, little yeah. boxing. Yeah, we, yeah, we hit everything.
1: Punching a bear in the face, you know, things like that. Uh-huh. You
0: know, <laughs> yeah, and this. whoever asked if we own sheep, I, I got a, I got a beef with that guy. Do you know? Well, look, sheep are not. It, this is Montana. Sheep are not property. They have, they have rights. They're like,
1: like a corporation.
0: Yeah, they, <laughs> they, they, have, they have
1: the same rights. They have voting
0: it. rights. You know, the, this is yeah. Do we have own re- sheep? <laughs> own? Gosh, I can't. Their their own sheep.
1: They're ungulates, too. (laughs) (laughs) I have rights.
0: yeah but yeah when and yes we we know sheep and we turn I, our own our own butter yeah and uh, get our
1: mail pony express
0: oh yeah yeah this is montana
1: this is montana that's but, what you have to do here but no that was that was a, that was an absolute thrill and so big thanks to them for having us on for actually quite a while i i i thought <laughs> we'd just come in for a segment and they kept saying hey stay for another segment Oh, uh, okay okay i mean you can kick us out you know we don't have anywhere to be yeah so uh pretty cool
0: Very cool. And then after that, we went to, uh, we decided to take the highway two route and uh, stay away f- off the interstate just because we make the interstate drive all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'd never really... Wasn't that did... enjoyable? It was enjoyable. Uh, and there's not really a whole lot of traffic. Uh, you, you don't have to no. worry about a whole lot of cars uh, taking Highway 2 through Eastern Washington. And uh, we end up... The, but the scenery's even way better. Oh, yeah. You know,
1: It's more rolling terrain. And, and it's just... Eastern Washington, especially Southern Eastern Washington, I mean... It's it can, pretty flat. It's pretty flat. And not being a flatlander myself, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's tough for me. But that... That stretch along Highway Two is actually quite beautiful, and I the little towns along the way. I mean, the quaint little farming towns that are just really cool. I'd like to spend some time in each one of those, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I, I enjoy that trip along Highway Two, and maybe what twenty minutes longer, thirty minutes longer it to do probably that. Probably thirty minutes longer. I guess. I, I'll make that uh, sacrifice every single time for a more enjoyable drive. Sure. And, uh Jared and I actually discovered that coming back from a wheel grind job, and had uh, taken it coming I, back, and I.
0: I will yeah. do that again. Yeah. For sure. That's what that was. And like. uh and we swing into the radar station, uh art Correct. gallery in Wenatchee. Yeah. Uh which uh Ron from Tales from the Space Pod, that's his it was art very gallery. Gracious. Yeah, he offered, he, he gave us both a print because we've talked about the, the Tales from the Space Pod on the show. Right. And, uh, that was nice of him to do that. And, it was, especially
1: and, since, I mean, but there was an event going on. It's not like we just dropped by his house oh, and yeah, it was yeah. like,
0: Hey, what's up, dude? And that's really, that's what, uh, we, we were listening to the show on the way over. And, uh, one of the things I brought up was that the gallery was going to be open for an event mm-hmm. that evening. Right. We're like, well, if we're if we're taking Highway 2, we're enjoying that drive anyway. And that's on the way. Um, it just it made sense to us.
1: It was really cool, and sound. the print was really cool too. I'm I'm actually excited about that because I don't have a lot of stuff to hang on my wall, so that uh, that that's that was very
0: generous. appropriate for you too, because he does robots out of uh, uh, kind of household inanimate items. objects, yeah. And uh, Hams beer can was the <laughs>
1: Hams the beer refreshing <laughs> Hams the beer, ref- yeah. Heck yeah, man! We used to drink thirty packs of Hams in high school. That's how we that's how we got that done. Nine ninety nine for a thirty pack at Costco.
0: Yeah, back yeah. when you're you were a little old for your high school age huh? At, uh, 21 in high school i didn't say i was squeaky clean man like <laughs> <laughs> we're when in was,
1: montana remember
0: <laughs> hey when i was going through and having to do the the review for or the um age rating age appropriateness rating mm-hmm. uh the alcohol uh, mentions is actually part of that the rating system and so glamorizing what rating is, this? is this huh what rating system is the, this on our google play app
1: Oh, I didn't realize that was
0: a thing. Oh yeah, well, you have to go through and you have to Being
1: factual or glamorizing.
0: Well, glamorizing makes it so it it bumps it up to a 17 plus rating. If you just talk about it, uh, you can get away with a 12 uh, pl- a 12 and over rating. Oh okay. so <laughs> I, I think 12 and over is probably about the the age appropriateness. If we' going to if we're going to draw a line in the sand, yeah yeah, yeah.
1: but if you're listening Seems to this right. and you're under 12.
0: You're just a little more advanced than the rest. You have got a pretty cool mom and dad. Yeah, and, and or dad.
1: Yeah, and you're probably a little cooler too. So,
0: <laughs> so there's that.
1: But then, uh, then we end up in Seattle.
0: Uh huh. We end up in Seattle, and uh, I, I enjoyed it because I got to see a cousin of mine for uh, that I hadn't seen it since. Guam. Tara, was, Tara was great. Yep, and uh, just she, a,
1: just a just a lovely gal.
0: And she accompanied us to the uh, Fort Lewis event that the Seahawks put on, and. Yeah, yeah, it was good times. Yeah, They it put was. on a good show for the military and if you watched the draft coverage you saw it in the, the big stage mm-hmm. uh, that they had that they brought the military up on to ma- mm-hmm. announce the picks from mm-hmm. and uh, a big uh, C-17 I believe it was in the background. Somebody will bust me on the, the actual what it, if it is not a C-17. Big old plane. It was a big old plane.
1: That's right. And uh, yeah, I actually got to go inside and, and, and check out the cockpit and things like that. Uh,
0: made in 98. It looked like it was made in 68. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I'm impressed that thing stays in the air but but, uh, there, the, when you're in the military, you do have planes that were made back in the 60s. Too, sure, so, sure. Um, we, we keep them going for quite a while.
1: Hey, good. keep the maintenance up. Mm-hmm. I like the planes that you can still roll down the windows with a hand crank. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I so did that. Got to meet a couple of the players that yeah. were there at the event. Uh, first, shout out to Greg
0: Scruggs. Oh yeah,
1: you know what? I'm holding on to Greg Scruggs for a second.
0: You're going to hold on to that, okay? Yeah. I, I I actually have a clip from him too, so okay, all right. I, I will hold on to that. All right, as well. cool.
1: And then, but uh, we we got to uh, shake hands with uh, Justin Britt.
0: Yep, Brock Coyle. Uh,
1: Brock Coyle, who was uh, was really cool. You know, being a fellow Montana guy, uh, mm-hmm. I think he seemed to get a kick out of the fact that we were from Montana because it's not like there was I think anybody we else. We might
0: there. have been the only people we were. in the in the audience there who were from Montana.
1: That's exactly right, and uh, so that was cool. But you know who was absolutely charming. Was KPL?
0: Yeah, Cam Pierre Lewis.
1: What? That guy is very charming. Like <laughs> I, 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 I really like this dude. You yeah. know, like he walked up. He's like, "Hey man, you know what's up?" And you know, how you feeling? And you ready for this? Oh yeah, man, I'm feeling great and all that. I'm like, "You ready to rock?" Yeah, man, I'm ready to rock. <laughs> like, and he was smiling just. It was very engaging. I, I big shout out well, to and KPL. All, for all
0: those guys to take the time they did to sign autographs and take pictures for all the military members that were in attendance. Every, they they got through everybody in line that was there. Everybody who wow, wanted right? to, to get an autograph or take a picture, they yeah. they were there for everybody. Very there. gracious.
1: Yeah. Now I will say that uh, it seemed kind of painful for Justin Britt, uh, not <laughs> yeah. not because it was the military or anything like that, just because it was the public. I don't think that's his gig. No. no and I and I and I like that out of my offensive lineman.
0: I, I do too. And, and yeah. they asked them all to go up on stage and speak a little bit about uh, you know their appreciation for uh, service members and to put them on the spot like that and really up on stage in front of that many people That's tough. and that it, yeah. especially
1: if you're not a natural talker
0: if you uh, aren't used to getting up in front of a thousand plus <laughs> people and speaking right on microphone yeah uh, that would be very difficult and yeah i think going and and pushing guys around on a football field in front of you know thousands of cheering people a little bit different yeah uh, than actual public speaking
1: yeah you're uh, not hiding under your helmet man no yeah. So, but, uh, so it was cool. All the players were great. Uh, that was a cool experience. It, again, meeting Brock Oil was probably one of my highlights. Uh, you know, just Grizzle and all
0: that. Sure. So, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Uh, so a fun trip. So I appreciate you getting us the hookup on that, man. Like, uh, that was a, that was a fun experience I wouldn't have normally had.
0: Now and yeah, and I'll talk a little bit more about that too because I I do want to get to that uh, say a few more things. But we do have an iTunes review. We got uh, our Google Play, like I mentioned, our Google Play app is mm-hmm. live in the the Google and um, app store. So if you have an Android device, you can you can listen to the through the show that way. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so yeah, uh, starting off with the iTunes reviews, one from one two three cool. Uh, says, Go <laughs> nice. Seahawks! This is an amazing podcast that has given me weekly Seahawks fix every week this offseason. They are super interesting and bring up legitimate concerns with the team and the league. I love the do better section.
1: Nice. I, I, enjoy that the, he loves the do better section. I don't know if, uh, these guys are super interesting as a sliding shot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to take it as a compliment. You know, uh, these guys are super interesting. Uh, <laughs> is the other way that I thought that <laughs> might be. Super interesting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No, but I think he meant that. You can take goodness.
0: interesting a, a variety of yeah, ways. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But uh, it's very cool, uh, to have that review. Again, those things make us very happy and it helps our rankings. It helps people find the show. And so we appreciate that, man. And I like one, two, three, cool. Go.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Uh, And then, yeah, people leave and we, and we hadn't even brought up the fact that you can leave reviews for the actual app, but um uh, Nicholas said way better at life than Skip Bayless this podcast definitely one of my favorites <laughs> whether i'm driving to work or cleaning up around the house these guys are a joy to listen to uh they put the effort they put in each and every week stats explanations stories etc really shows i've learned so much about the Seahawks and football in general since i started listening to the show about 2 years ago from the do better's wow. To the hilarious tangents, you can't find a better Seahawks podcast. Keep up the good work and go Hawks! Well,
1: keep up the good listening, man. Yeah, like thanks, you've Nicholas. been around since about the beginning, then, dude, and I, I appreciate that. And that was that was a glowing review. That yeah. I, I, it may be not entirely deserved. <laughs>
0: Here, here's a review that's that I would qualify as interesting from Tyler. Uh, <laughs> oh God, it's lovely. This app makes my butt hurt in the best way imaginable. Yell yes. <laughs> is that the whole thing
1: oh that's amazing (laughs) that's great you know i i i I take that as a the highest form of flattery
0: (laughs) the 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 yum at the end is the is the tag for me
1: i know that's Uh, what i love about it it's like it's a little it's a little blue it's a little a little weird that's good weird
0: (laughs) from josh go hawks great for any seahawks fan who should be listening to this podcast so thanks josh and then thanks to ted for the best squawkers for seahawks best app ever Best, bestest app ever
1: oh i like it i like it we're hawker squawkers that's good I like and that. then
0: eric best podcast best app for the best seahawks podcast five hey stars. first man to download it too that's right so winner Congrats! <laughs> yeah at least he didn't just comment first true that's a, that's a you know yeah it's kind of a jerk move so yeah exactly. i appreciate the real review
1: i i, I appreciate it too eric
0: yeah, yeah. And, hope and, everything's
1: awesome down in florida man
0: yep and you get uh yeah you get the credit here for being first exactly
1: You heard heard it here first that he was first.
0: Right. (laughs) Uh, A couple of emails. Hey, guys, I started really watching football last season. I had no team until after the Eagles-Seahawks game. I realized then that this Illinois boy is a Hawks fan. (laughs) What a season to start watching. I have gotten more and more crazy for the Hawks as time went. My My knowledge got better after I found the Seahawkers podcast. You guys have helped my knowledge and entertained me. Thanks from the land of Bears and Packers fans. That's from The Mule.
1: Great, great uh, what, handle. Isn't right. what that what That's they call that? Yeah, yeah, I like that. The Mule. Well, uh, we welcome the Illinois boy in, and I appreciate you writing in. Now, one thing that I find interesting is definitely when people say, I'm just starting to get into the league, mm-hmm. and when I listen to the pod, I learn things. That makes me feel great because one thing that I don't want to do on the pod ever is get to the point where we're talking so technically about the game that if you're kind of new to it, you can't seem to follow along. Like, for example, we talked about pulling guards today. I hope that was we broke that down enough to for it to be understood. So it wasn't
0: so technical that it that it yeah, lost some folks. That
1: is something that we really strive hard to do, and I know you do a great job of that too. And so to hear somebody say that this has helped them kind of expand their knowledge and get into the game a little more, and not feel like. They're uh, left out mm-hmm. uh, just because of, of text. You know, five technique nah, 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 cover three, blah, blah blah blah. Like that makes me feel good. So thanks, man. I appreciate that review a lot.
0: Yeah, we'll, we will try not to to get uh, ever get too technical. No, uh, stay within our maybe our our wheelhouse that we're in right now. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, hey guys, loving the podcast. This is from Dave in Taiwan, right? Overseas, so. <laughs> right. Uh, hey guys, loving the podcast. I haven't been with the podcast for a very long time. The first time I heard of the show was by TD on an NFL podcast. So, uh, so I was excited to give you guys a listen. Ever since then, I've been hooked. You guys covered just the right mix of Hawks news, league news, and of course, some 80s movies. Being all the way from Taiwan, it's hard, to, or being all the way in Taiwan, it's hard to find other people to talk about the Seahawks. Listening to this podcast makes me feel like I'm back home in a discussion about my Hawks. Thanks, guys. Finally, I have one quick question for you guys. Do you think that since they didn't pick up a left tackle in the draft, that they might keep Okun? Uh, even though we have learned they don't give two craps about the offensive line. <laughs> Thanks again, guys. Keep up the good work.
1: Can we now upgrade them to carrying a half a crap after this draft?
0: <laughs> I feel they, they did, and they said they were going to address the O line. So I sh- give Schneider credit for that. When <laughs> and, and where they addressed it, I think it was important. Appropriate. That they, yeah. It, they addressed some of those needs where, yes, you could the, a, a talent like Tyler Lockett and the, the, what he brings to the return game. You would not have gotten that. So, um you know, Ty Montgomery was the guy that we talked about that had they waited that maybe Ty Montgomery would have been the return guy that was a tier down or so.
1: At least Ty Montgomery is no Tyler Lockett.
0: Yeah. So uh they they I think they addressed some of those really important needs. Defensive line was a need. Mm-hmm. Uh it's always a need. And uh, so I, I had no problem with them going at that position sure. uh, at that early in the draft either.
1: Absolutely. Now, you brought up an inter- interesting question about Ukung and what this says about his future. I don't know that that says really anything specifically about it because, as you mentioned earlier in the pod, all these guys, they plan on moving them around to be able to play Multiple at every positions. position. Uh, now, Terry Poole played tackle. In college. Now, a lot of people say he doesn't have the athleticism to play tackle, but mm. I mean, so there's something there.
0: Now, you've seen Alvin Bailey fill in at left tackle, too.
1: Mm-hmm. So. But we've got another draft coming up, too, before Okun. Right. is is up on his deal. So I don't know. I think it's still murky on Okung. I think this this season will say a lot about it. Also, however much Russell signs for and B-Wags, and uh, now it looks like possibly even Irvin, what they may or may not sign him to, a lot of that will go into whether or not they, they keep Okung long-term. I think it's still very, very much up in the air.
0: Judging by Bruce Irvin's tweets, I got the impression that they did not... Uh, no, they uh, didn't. ...give him, uh, did not sign him to the options. So. Do you have a problem with him, uh, spouting off? I don't think he said anything that was negative to in terms of the team. It was more I I felt like he was motivating himself and and pumping himself up and and uh I don't think it I didn't get the sense that it was anything negative. I don't know that it was anything negative. I think negative. that he was I got the sense that he may have been upset that right. uh that he didn't, but I don't think it was yeah, it, it I didn't take it in any kind of way that he held any kind of animosity toward, uh, John Schneider or Pete Carroll or got the sense that he's not going to be a, a, a Seahawk long term, even. Right. Yeah. And you heard that from in the press conferences after the draft saying, yes, we'll make the decision, uh, when it's, they still had time mm-hmm. and they didn't make it sound like they had made the decision that they, they yeah. may have already, but whatever. Um, it's hard telling not knowing. Yeah. Uh, but. They said that if they don't make the decision to pick up the option, it's not that they don't want him. Right. It's just that they don't want to sign him to the option.
1: Right. Because there's too much up in the air still. I think that's, again, a function of Russell Wilson not signing his deal. Now, the other thing about him spouting off, like, yeah, he's an emotional guy. Yeah. I mean, I'm an emotional guy. In a moment, I've, I've said things, uh, you know, and gone off. But I don't know that any of this is, is outside of that box. And, uh, you know, and it was David, right, from Taiwan?
0: Yeah, Dave Dave from Taiwan.
1: Yeah. Anyways, I want to get back to his email real quick. Um, We had another listener from Taiwan write in. I can't remember his name off the top of my head for the life of me, but it was a great email. Um, So if you're having problems talking hawks... (laughs) <laughs> I know there's at least one other listener and a Hawks fan in Taiwan. Maybe you're in the same region. Uh, we, may, you know, right? And maybe we can kind of figure all that out. I, I'm, I'm, if especially if both of you are listening, because uh, we've had some folks like up in England, oh, yeah. where that have met up through the pot. You know, just looking for for people to be able to to talk Hawks with and, sure. and share their fandom. So uh, if we can help bring some of those people together, that would be exciting. That's another Absolutely. reason why we do it. So I appreciate your email very much.
0: Yeah. Um, the other thing I was going to say about Irvin is that I think not signing to the option, I think it gives them a better opportunity to sign him long term uh, because when I had sp- talked about it last week about picking up the option so you have him as a trade chip going into next year's draft um, – that's kind of where I was thinking that, that you hold on to him for that chip. And then if it, he, he does have a good year to where he, he hits that level that maybe you don't want to trade him for that amount of money, then you can keep him around for another year, that 2016 season at that $8 million mark. Mm-hmm. Um, and if not, you have a something, uh, that you can trade for in the draft, but, uh, they decided to go the way they did again. Yeah. There's a level of trust there. Yeah. They're, I agree. I agree the right with thing. the
1: decision, honestly. Yeah, I mean I do. I know you were really big on the idea of keeping him for the trade, you know, potential. Mm-hmm. I I think that's hard to do when everybody knows it's going to be a cap casualty. I just don't think that's realistic. Yeah. I mean, it, it's tough. It's tough to do that and so I, as far as Bruce goes long term, again, I just don't know that he's one of those six six guys that you're paying 6 million or more uh per year. I just don't know that he's that guy. So, um they they mentioned, you know, Carp leaving and they didn't yeah. pick up his option they're like well we wanted him around it's like of course he did but not at the money
0: that That's what kind of makes me wonder if they've already made the decision they have. though.
1: I I truly do believe they have. They they know they just can't and they just can't do it. Mm. As much as you as much as you want to it is just like Byron Maxwell this last year we would love to keep Byron Maxwell but not at 10 mil a year.
0: Right.
1: You know it's just just can't do it and kudos to Bruce Irvin for putting in the work to keep getting them checks, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what it's about.
0: And so, you do if you if you have already made that decision, or you think that that's where your mindset's going to be. Why not put him at the, in the set him up for um for for him to prove it this year. And to put Mm -hmm. himself into that position of getting a huge contract. Because if he goes out there and has a stellar year, where yes, maybe he even would uh, make more than $8 million on the open market uh, as a free agent, uh, you're setting him up. uh, Yeah. In a way, it's helpful for him. Yeah. And also getting the most production for the team potentially. Exactly. All right. On to do better. All right. Better at life. All right. Do I wanna, want to go? I hear your do better, Adam. All right. Well, my do
1: better is for CBS Sports Pete Prisco. Um, we've taken him to task a time or two. Ah,
0: uh, yes, Pete but, Prisco.
1: Uh, they were doing some uh, instant analysis of of dra- uh, draft picks, and they asked him some stuff about the Tyler Lockett pick, and he's he he was a little critical about uh, the fact that they hadn't addressed the line yet. Now, granted, they did later, and he of course doesn't see the future, so he doesn't know that. But he gets into that a little bit. It sounds a little like this.
0: I like Lockett as a player, uh, but, and they need a receiver, but, and I gave him a B, but they need a receiver, but their offensive line is a mess right now. I mean they need to address the offensive line at some point in this draft uh, and and now wouldn't have been a bad place to do it so. why do they have to do that what did you say yesterday when Russell Wilson can just wheel and deal and get out of the pocket and make a decisions <laughs> because if they can't run the ball he's ineffective because no, he, he, it he, like, he can't play he can't play yeah. real quarterback so and then if they don't run offended no, you know something. that if Holberg he can't girl. if they can't run the ball he can't play real quarterbacks uh, he, He's not capable of it so they have to run the ball so they better improve that offensive when, line when we
1: You got to draft O line because they got to run the ball because Russell Wilson can't play real quote quarterback. Wow, real quarterback.
0: You know, it was not so shocking for me to hear that come from Pete Prisco.
1: That made me so mad. I about jumped through the screen at Pete Prisco and strangled him. He doesn't play. What is he playing? Pretend quarterback out there? Is his Lombardi Trophy a pretend
0: championship? You're a pretend journalist. This goes back to what Prisco said uh, before the Super Bowl this last year and said – and this was uh, right at the end – I think this was right after the NFC Championship where he he was comparing Russell Wilson and Tom Brady. And he said Russell Wilson is closer to Tim Tebow than Tom Brady.
1: Pete Prisco is closer to an acquirer reporter than an actual reporter. I mean – I. I I'm sorry that Russell Wilson isn't 6'5", white, can't run, and has a halter of an arm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that he doesn't stack up in your little box of what a real quarterback looks like. A real quarterback looks like, to me, is a guy who flat gets it done behind a sieve of an offensive line. You put Tom Brady behind that offensive line last year, and he's out by week nine. I'm sorry that Russell Wilson plays the game on another level than you're comfortable with and adds an extra dimension. And not only can he play real quarterback, he stands in the pocket and tosses dimes when you give him the opportunity. We just haven't given much of an opportunity. If you want to bang on him for not picking O line, it's not because they, they they won't be able to run the ball because they haven't picked on O line. Really, they were like 19th in the league as far as like offensive efficiency on the O-line when it came in the running game. That was a lot of Marshawn Lynch just straight doing work. The problem was, was their O-lays on the offensive line every time Russell dropped back to pass and tried to play, quote, real quarterback. You're a real idiot, Pete Prisco, and you need to do better.
0: Ah, uh, Prisco deserves that. Do not be tacking Russell
1: Carrington Wilson. No, no. that's
0: That's my quarterback, man. That's
1: my quarterback, man. <laughs>
0: You will draw my ire. Uh that's you are you are Terrell Owens when it comes to it's my
1: quarterback.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> quarterback. Well, might do better this week is for one uh, Roger Goodell, commissioner of the NFL. Adam, did you see? Did you see Roger Goodell on opening night of the draft? Roger Goodell with the whiff. Ah, oh, someone get Roger a, a pronunciation guide. I
1: uh, get 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 Roger's take i don't know 10 minutes to look over the most likely
0: say two draft picks in the draft the top two draft picks i think you, my grandmother knew who uh, was gonna you know marcus Mar- have you roger goodell you are the commissioner of the nfl and you don't know marcus Mariota? It, it's you can't <laughs> you whiff on Mariota's name and then marcus not, marioto and then to whiff on the state of oregon I, that's in the union, by the way, that, Roger. That's one of the fifty states. I we, know you don't have a franchise there, but you should still know this. <laughs> should, I, I would get. I'm surprised he didn't go Washington when it, when he you know with all of the the Husky players that went in the first round. Oh my gosh, uh, Oregon, Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> it's, if. It's one, thing, it's one thing to not you know pay somebody to write these names out phonetically on a card. because <laughs> Yes, there are some difficult names to pronounce yes. of, of players that are in the NFL draft. Understood. Uh, but Mariota, number two, it, you should have that one down by the time you go to the podium. And two, you should have the states down.
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely. I mean, by the grade five, yeah, yes. you should have that figured out. That, that was pathetic. I mean, I, I can tell you one thing. Roger Goodale. Gives zero craps about announcing the draft. That much is clear. Or do you think maybe the Chicago crowd just had him rattled with all the boos? They booed. They booed everything he did. If it, you know, when he adjusted the microphone, boo. When he when he you know when he want, if he looked anywhere around there, boo. I think that's why you
0: attend the draft as a as an NFL fan, just so you can go and and boo, because that appeared to me why you were in the audience is that uh, to boo the commissioner whenever he he came to the podium.
1: Well, there's one thing we know about the commissioner to kind of over the last year or so is that he's not great under pressure. (laughs) You know, when there's like a big thing going on or anything like that, he doesn't tend to, I don't know, rise to the occasion. Maybe that was what's going on here. But wow, what a pathetic effort.
0: Get your states down and do better. Exactly in your
1: office in New York,
0: Roger. Roger. I mean, we'll have to figure out a good way to mispronounce Roger Goodell's name from now on. Idiot, Roger, Roger Goodell,
1: <laughs> Roger Goodell,
0: Gojer Rudell.
1: Yeah, there you go. I like it. Yeah, you like that. I like that one.
0: Gojer, Gojer. All
1: right, on to better life. Okay, um, I'll, I'll go first. I, I I'm having a hard time deciding I have, I have two.
0: Oh, um, you couldn't, you couldn't narrow it down to one. Yeah, can um,
1: <laughs> should I go with a trolling do better or
0: praise a player? Oh uh, well, why don't you get your trolling do better out of the way and then and then we'll and, and maybe then. we can work mine uh, the praising one into yours. Okay, okay,
1: all right. So my do better is for uh, GM of the Forty ers Trent Bulky, and uh, the re- or my better at life. I'm sorry is uh, is better <laughs> for uh, GM Trent Bulky, and the reason do, is do you want is, to try that again?
0: Are, are you are you good?
1: No, I'm just gadelling this. <laughs> so basically. The reason he's my better at life this week is because he set the 49ers back yet again in uh, the draft this year. And the reason I say that is he made some very interesting decisions. And we talked a little bit about the way the Seahawks not only drafted uh, best player available, but also were able to fit that and slot that in with drafting for need. Trent Bulky clearly gives two craps about <laughs> drafting for need because they lose their starting corners in free agency. They bring in a couple guys that just, you know, Sharice Wright, he's got like a negative 16 pro football focused <laughs> grade. Uh, I, Cook, I believe, is the other guy from the Vikings. Uh, not uh, not a great player. Uh, They're they, going to have trouble have on couple, the, back end of the defense. They have a couple couple sixth and seventh round guys that they drafted the year before that were injured that, that a lot of Niners fans are banking on. Did not draft a corner. Instead, he drafts a D-end in Eric Armstead mm-hmm. from Oregon. And again, a really tall guy who's sub 300 pounds. And I think he, th- those guys prove to be difficult, uh, have a difficult time because of the leverage factor. And, but the other thing is, is they already have an Alden Smith. They have Alden Smith. <laughs> Sorry, Brandon. Uh, and they they, the they, they they may have Justin Smith. I knew it when it was coming out of my mouth, too. I, I want to just rewind the tape. <laughs> 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 trying to take it back, but I couldn't. Uh so anyways, uh they already have guys there that that can play and they, they bring in another defensive end. Now they also go out and they draft more outside linebackers. Well, they have Ahmad Brooks, they have Lynch that they drafted the, the year before, but newsflash Trent Bulky, you lost your inside linebackers. Yeah, Borland retires, uh Willis retires. What are you gonna do there? You gonna put Will Hoyt in there? He kinda struggled a little bit. So he doesn't address that need at all. Then he goes ahead and he drafts safety. They already have first-round pick Eric Reed. They have Antoine Bethea back there. They have the Ward, their other first-round pick from the year previous. That's a safety slash nickel corner. So they're already loaded there, and you draft another safety on top of that. And, and he goes down through the draft, doesn't address wide receiver at all. And it's great because <laughs> none of these guys are going to see the field. They're banking on the fact that it was all John Har- or, uh, Jim Harbaugh's coaching that was the "Quote unquote problem there, not not his GMmanship, uh-huh. and it really is his GMing. And uh, so Trent Bulky for screwing up the Niners even more than they are, you are better at life than Skip Bayless. I
0: like You're it. You're a beautiful man, Trent, <laughs> and I think he is better at life than Skip Bayless. Yeah. It's a low bar. Like yeah, it's a talked low about. bar. It's a low bar. Um, so my better at life this week is for the Seahawks, and it's a comprehensive one for, uh, showing their military appreciation, whether it was the draft event, uh, to, to Russell Wilson offering up his first class seat. Sure. To a member of the military. Cost him a lot. <laughs>
1: and, People are making a big deal out of that. That didn't make Russell. It's still, that, that was, that was like, I mean, that's, a, how far did Russ go out of his way for that? I mean, you do have to make an effort,
0: though. Excuse
1: you could, me, stewardess. You could, um, I'm Russell Wilson. Just can you put that guy up here? Perfect. Thank you.
0: Well, and then he goes out of his way to you know, the, out the, of his per- way. <laughs> the the person thanked him on Twitter, and it turned uh, turn around the retweet and and show his it appreciation nice. through there. Yeah. Um. It's it's a it's a gesture that's easy to do, and uh, it I feels
1: y to me, but okay.
0: Okay. Yeah. Uh, you're gonna you and the um, all my. <laughs> love for nate boyer and russell wilson to the military stuff and you're just poo-pooing it today i'm I'm not impressed with you
1: I, uh, uh, i'm impressed with me because i'm seeing through the layer of rah-rah uh-huh. to the reality of the situation i mean who well, is, you could not who's the chief who is the chief, air, who is the chief airline officer for uh f- football officer for alaskan airlines yeah Russell Wilson. He's doing his job. Uh, right. I'm just saying it's not even like he paid out of pocket for this. I'm sure that was comped.
0: Well, even if he did. Eh, I don't know. Right. Okay. But anyways. He could have not my point is
1: I just wonder how many people like He did it. I have a hard time like believing that if you're doing it just out of the good graces you don't you don't publicize it. You know what I mean? Like you just, you just. Do I don't. It.
0: I don't think it would have been publicized had he not uh, had had the guy not tweeted at him, okay, and then had right. he not turned around the tweet. All right, that's and, an
1: excellent point. Mm-hmm. I may be off base. So I'm there a, you go. I'm reeling back my poo poo.
0: I think a lot of these guys do things in their off time that we don't see. Right. That would make make headlines. And that's when you know that it's genuine. It's genuine. Yeah. So, okay. Don't you question Russell's... Don't you question my quarterback's genuineness.
1: Hey, ever since he started dating Sierra, I don't even know who this person is anymore.
0: (laughs) 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 So there's that. And then um, I think the the one guy that, that you wanted, that you were having a hard time uh, trying to decide if he was your yeah. better life, Greg Scruggs. <laughs> yeah, Greg How Scruggs. cool was Greg at the at the draft event?
1: This man needs to when he's done with his career. If he doesn't take over for Ryan Seacrest on all the announcing duties for America. I don't know who should. I mean, maybe, maybe he should. uh, Maybe he's the next Michael Strahan. I don't know. But this man is a natural MC and public speaker, and he does so with uh, great humor and great energy. I enjoyed the heck out of Greg Scrubs.
0: I did too. That was one of the highlights of the morning for me. And and yeah, the. The way he spoke about the military, you could sense that he has the – it was genuine, his appreciation for it. And, uh, yeah, just his energy and enthusiasm and Mm -hmm. the way he was getting the crowd pumped up for every – because when you're at a draft event, you don't know a lot of these players, right? Right. And uh, and so to get the crowd pumped up and excited about these guys and uh, (laughs) – And before every pick, he was he said a little prayer to himself about it, hoping that it wasn't uh, a defensive lineman. Yep, yep, <laughs> yeah. No, he <laughs> please, just did a good no job. More, you know, he went no out. defensive lineman.
1: One, one of the cool things, <laughs> things at the event is they had like a forty yard dash set up that you could time. They yeah, had he was their- out
0: there with the military and doing the. He was running forty yard dashes with him, and it wasn't. It wasn't just Greg Scruggs. It was some of those other, other players, players that were yeah, there too. Yeah. Um, uh, doing, doing the, the, vertical the vertical jump. jump. With and, a couple of
1: kids, and that was actually Tara and I actually watched him do that with a couple of the of the young men. They they were in their early teens, and uh-huh. uh, just just the way that he interacted with them and, and uh, made that uh, a fun competition. That was cool. It so, was yeah, just really to,
0: cool to to Mike Flood who put that together. To mm-hmm. Armando Mejia who uh, with the Seahawks who who ran that event and and was able to to get all of those military organizations together in one place. Yeah, um, definitely better life than Skip Bayless. I concur. I concur. Good event all Except around. Except for it was
1: all crap and you're wrong. Poo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I'm just kidding.
1: You you know you're you're 100% right, man. That was that was a fun trip. That was a fun well, trip. Well, I won't take event. you next
0: time if it was that uh if it disappointed you that much. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I'm so disappointed on the inside,
1: Brandon. <laughs> no, I I had, a, I had an awesome time,
0: man. The only thing we missed was the the fight, uh the boxing match which we thought about oh, sticking around for.
1: I that was going to be my do better. I remember there was something on the way back. There there was not one Establishment between the city of Seattle and Coeur d'Alene that was showing the fight. Yeah. We checked everywhere. Everywhere. For
0: hours
1: (laughs) leading up to the fight. Couldn't find anywhere. Did not watch the fight, which turns out might not have been the worst thing, but still, something. Come on, man. Yeah. It sounds like the pay-per-view folks just just made it cost prohibitive for the commercial places to go ahead and essentially
0: charging them uh, whether or not uh, people were there to watch it or or even in just by capacity. Yeah, by charging based off of capacity and not by people that were actually there to watch, which is weird. I. I wouldn't have, we were fine with paying a cover charge to get in totally. and to, to watch it, yeah. uh, because gosh, it was a hundred bucks on pay-per-view as it was. So if right. you could, if you could pay 20 bucks, twenty thirty 30 bucks, yeah. sure. Yeah. You and, know. and I think the, some of the places that were charging was right around 35, which I think was about the right spot compared to what they may have been charging mm-hmm. per seat at a venue. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it sounds like we didn't miss a whole lot of actual punching. No. No. But but it's a Floyd fight, so whatever. That's kind of what you would come to expect. Yeah, if, if you had watched Floyd Mayweather throughout his career, that uh, was a very typical Floyd Mayweather fight. It was defensive fighter. So yeah.
1: All right. Well, uh, we put together quite a long pod for you today, but I think uh, these were all things that needed to be discussed. It was exciting having the draft come along. Uh, we'll get
0: into it more. We have actual football coming
1: up. It's on its, it's way.
0: It's on its way. It's on its way. We've got a few months. We I I've talked to a couple of our. Our division rival podcasters, mm-hmm. and they're gonna come on and and help us uh, fill the time. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was gonna say preview the the matchups within the division. But I was gonna say just fill the time, just wanted, just fill the say, time till we time. get to the season, man.
1: <laughs> to fill the time. So uh, speaking, of filling the time, I think we did a good job of that. And so with that,
0: there's only one thing left to say: Go Hawks! Go Hawks!